0: You don't know. Uh
1: uh-uh. uh. But you
2: know, you save all my stuff and send them in boxes.
1: Yeah, I do. I, yeah, I know. You, you get pretty good. Okay, Joe Stafford, Peggy Lee. Okay. All right. You, you got all the old, really good music, the, the hometown family type stuff.
3: You got it. That was it. good. That
1: was good. All right. I'm, I'm so happy that I found
2: something you would like.
3: Oh, I, I like almost everything, but I, uh, sometimes I can't think of what I want.
2: <laughs> oh, has it been hot all week, Ralph? When did it start to cook up in Northern California?
3: Oh, the last couple of days it really started to come on.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And uh, they say by the 4th of July it should be running up around 106 in Reading.
0: <laughs> That's a
3: terrible. You know, it's, it's not the same as when I lived back east.
1: No, it, it's a different kind of heat. And in different parts of the country, it's a different kind of heat. Now, I've got something that's a little bit scary for both of you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Daylight has been getting shorter for the last two weeks.
3: Oh, really?
2: So that means it's almost winter, huh?
1: June, June 15th marks the next equinox.
3: Mm. Oh, the no equinox, yeah.
1: I'm sorry, it's getting... Oh,
3: i had a question for you patricia uh, uh i have been there and i've seen it but when do you have the gasparilla parade
1: gasparilla
3: gasparilla
1: on, on Gas, uh, gasparilla island
3: no no it, it's in it's in fort myers well um gee I used to oh, be a big deal
1: the edison parade in february but I don't, I don't know about a Gasparilla. A Gasparilla, um, Gaspar was a pirate. And there's a... Yes. H- Pardon?
3: Yeah, that, that's right. right. Was well, it- I, I remember when my in-laws lived down there, we went to the Gasparilla Parade.
1: I've never been to a Gasparilla Parade. I never knew we had one.
3: Now you got homework.
1: <laughs> hey, Liz. We- you
3: do homework,
1: Well, you know, Gaspar, there's really some interesting history in that Um, he he was quite literally a pirate. And when the uh, gendarmes started moving in on his ship, he refused to be taken and he wrapped himself in anchor chains and threw himself overboard. So he drowned himself. And there's an island, Gasparilla Island, named after him here. But it truly is an island. there's, There's you have to get there by boat. Uh, Gaspar sailed along Sanibel Island, which is one of the coastal islands in my country. Oh, yeah, I know Sanibel. And he sailed those islands and allegedly pulled in and used North Captiva as his headquarters. Uh, you know, yeah.
3: I well, you know, I think I told you once uh, years ago they mm-hmm. built this beautiful bridge, went well over to Sanibel huh? and Captiva. And we used to go over there when we visited uh, Fort Myers, oh, and there wasn't anything there. Now I understand it's very, very plush. Um, it's very, very, more built than, up and very fancy.
1: Yeah, more than 50% of the island is preserved. It's in natural preservation state, and nobody can build on it, and boy, you better not mess it up. They're, they're really conservation conscious over there, Um you know, and it, it's an ecologically sensitive area. But um, you're right; it is very much an upscale area.
3: Yeah, because it was uh, it was just like sand dunes when we used to go there. Very
1: it's still it's still very rustic because they don't they don't rake the beach, they don't clear anything. Um, it, it's when I say natural, it's natural. There are houses built there, but nobody does anything bad. Uh you don't cut down a tree. You don't plant an Australian pine, which is an invasive.
3: Oh, yeah, I know, yeah. Uh,
1: so they're, they're really very conscious of their in ecology and environment over there. They really do a fabulous job. But Gasparilla Parade, boy, that's a new one on me. I'm going to have to go do my homework.
3: Uh, I, I, I may be wrong, but I, I'm pretty sure.
1: Well, it sounds like a great idea to me. If, it, if we don't have one, I hire you. To make one, please.
3: I know, yeah, you can't do that. You can, guys. I don't work for wages. Oh.
1: <laughs> you volunteer your time
3: on this. The post oh, just came by.
1: Get some Christmas stuff out to you, and I'm so happy that it has a home. I was really happy when I found this stuff. It's, it's new to me. Obviously, it's not new music, but it's new to me, and I'm really glad that um, you'll enjoy some of it.
3: Oh, I certainly will. Cool. Listen, I'm going to leave you folks go back to your work and uh, I'll just sit here and listen for the rest of the evening.
1: Okay. Say hi to Tony for us.
3: Yeah, okay.
1: All righty.
3: She just, yeah, she just went by and she made a face at me. Uh-oh.
1: Uh oh.
3: Uh oh. I'll fix her. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. I'll say good night to you.
1: Well, thank you so much. Good night. <laughs> hmm.
2: You think he's gonna make a fake at her?
1: I I don't know, Tony. What's going on? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Really, beds? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so what what were you asking? You had a question, and I know I didn't have the answer.
2: Oh, I was asking. The, uh, we on God bless America. I want to know what year did he write it? Oh, um,
1: 1916, 1918.
2: Uh, yes, very good. Yeah. In 18. Why, why, why did he stick it away for 20 years?
1: Well, somebody he he wasn't particularly fond of it, and somebody didn't want to buy it, so he just
2: put it away. He thought there were so many world songs out already in World War One, he didn't think it was, there was a need in the market for it.
1: Well, he he dug it out, um, Kate Smith, and uh, her manager, Ted Collins. Right. Yeah wanted something for her show and, uh, because uh, the, the war was breaking out. It was 1938, and um, they asked for something that was both patriotic and reverent. And he reached in and pulled out God Bless America. He did make some changes to it. They weren't major, but he did make some changes that updated it and made it more appropriate for the particular um situation that they were asking for, it was for her show, and she sang it for the first time, that was what Walden played for the first time on November 11th, 1938.
2: Yep, on her show. Uh-huh.
1: And, uh huh. And it was the first time, and from that point on, she closed every single show she ever did, radio and television, with God Bless America, it became her signature song.
2: And what sporting event did she used to sing this at all the time?
1: Oh, it was baseball no hockey hockey right hockey right and it was the it wasn't the rangers was it the
2: islanders no
1: oh oh walden help me here wait a minute
2: in, you're right in the northeast
1: oh wait a minute wait a minute it's patriots no no patriots aren't even hockey um celtics
2: no, not Boston. Not in Boston or New York. Oh,
1: uh, I don't know. Help me here.
2: The Philadelphia Flyers.
1: No kidding. Yeah. I never would have guessed that. Well, oh, you were really close. Well, uh, I got hockey. I want, a, I want credit for hockey.
2: You got hockey. Uh, Super.
1: Great. Here. Uh, she performed, God bless America, every week on a radio show, selling nearly 400,000 pages of sheet music. That wow. Was she was on radio.
2: Yeah. Can you think the 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 gift Irving Berlin left America? Think about it.
1: It's uh, just incredible the music that he God, he
2: he gave he gave America God Bless America, White Christmas, on Easter Parade and Hoot and all the other famous songs. Just
1: amazing.
2: What, what a legacy he left.
1: Remarkable man.
2: What a legacy.
1: But that was the appropriate song for the Fourth of July celebration, and uh, I was just so happy that I came across
2: that it was super version
1: good. of it. That was the very, very first one.
2: George M. Cohnan, we were talking to. There, there, there was a movie that came out, uh, Yankee Doodle Danny, 1942. Uh-huh. That has always a Fourth of July theme to that. Uh-huh. And Shane Candy, very good. 714 545 2071. We're here. We're awake. We're alive. We were alive last week. At least I was. Patricia was playing hooky. I was on. I was working. Hold,
1: hold it. Hold it. Hold it. It's it's not my fault. It's not your fault? It's not my fault. You know it's not my fault. I, well, but, but I was working. I wasn't playing hooky. You fired me. <laughs> I would never fire you. You did. You let me go. You put me on furlough. I... 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 London I... For a week. I... I...
2: I... I gave you a little downtime. That's fine. But I wasn't playing hooky. Well, oh, what were you doing without me last Saturday night?
0: Well, just
1: kind of cruising through the night. I did... I finished a couple of Time magazines that have been sitting here forever. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know how quickly Time Magazine can pile up? It's a weekly. It's like Newsweek.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they, it, it's like a rabbit warren. You mean I have changed your life that dramatically that you had to catch up on your reading? I mean, this is true. This is,
1: this is true. Uh. I mean, it really, it's like a rabbit hutch. You, you put down one <laughs> Time Magazine and you go back and there are seven <laughs> in the pile. <laughs> they, they reproduce like bunny
2: rabbits. That's a great question. What magazine people are getting still today? Are you getting time or life? I'd I like to know. Is, it, is Life Magazine still available? I have no idea. I haven't seen Life. Well, no. How about the Saturday Evening Post? I don't think that's even around.
1: Well, let's go do our homework. I have some really fun stuff for you tonight. Aww. Saturday
2: the
1: Evening Post?
2: Who was the famous cartoonist for the Saturday Evening Post?
1: Oh, it's... That would have been, um, Herschel? Hirsch. Yes?
2: No? Oh, I was thinking somebody more famous.
1: Oh, no, 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 Norman Rockwell.
2: Yeah, Norman Rockwell, who I was thinking of.
1: Saturday Evening Post. Yep. A look back, contact us, Norman Rockwell. If it's a contact, uh, yeah, an official site, they're still around.
2: No kidding, I didn't think they were even publishing.
1: Oh, let's see. Um, a retrospective. A look back at what America, wellness, lifestyle, art, literature, subscribe. Yes, they're still selling subscriptions, so I guess it's still around. Wow. All right, now. Well, also like
2: collecting the money.
1: <laughs> what, a, what an operation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Life Magazine. Let's see what happened to Life Magazine.
2: And let's say, hello there. You are
3: on the air. It's it's Ralph again.
2: Hi, Ralph. Again.
3: <laughs> well, I was thinking, I didn't look it up anywhere, but the, the, the horse name Ruth, something came to mind. Now I may not I may not be right, but
2: Well, we know it's not baby Ruth. All right.
3: Was it was it Andy Devine?
1: Nope. Wasn't Andy Devine.
3: Yeah, that's the only one that came to my mind.
1: I didn't hit, I his horse with Dingles. No, Jingles was his name. Andy Devine played Jingles in Wild Bill Hickok. So what was his
2: horse's
1: name? Oh, I know what his horse's name is, but that's one that's on the list. I'm not going to give it
3: away. Uh Uh, Well, you know, Patricia, could you email me who it was?
1: Oh, sure, I can do that.
3: (laughs) Yeah, you got me something that's bothering me.
1: We'll do that immediately. Go check your email in about 10 seconds.
3: <laughs> Are you quick?
1: And, it, and it's, it's going to, well, let's see, right here.
3: Uh-oh. Hold on.
0: Do, 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 do.
3: All right, well, I'll go upstairs and check it. Merry Christmas. Oh, Tony says Merry Christmas. Thank you.
1: Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas, Tony. Thank you. All
3: she right. She me... apologized for making the faces at me.
1: <laughs> you should apologize to you, not to us.
3: <laughs> you know, we, we were having a glass of wine tonight.
1: Uh-huh. Oh, there you go.
3: Well, She was just sitting there, and she she says, I love you so much. I don't know how I could get by without you.
4: Oh.
3: And I says to her, is that you talking or is that the wine talking? She says, it's me.
1: Oh, that is so sweet.
3: Talking to the wine.
1: <laughs> now really, Ralph, that was a very sweet thing, Tony. Think
3: <laughs> hey, she likes the wine better than me. Okay. <laughs> Anyhow, I'll go check my email. I'll say goodnight again.
1: Your email and when you finish laughing, you can call us back.
3: <laughs> <laughs> All right now. All right, hey, Al. Bye. bye. bye.
1: The question is, which TV character rode a horse named Ruth?
2: And the answer is, I can tell you it's not Baby Ruth.
1: It is not Baby Ruth. <laughs> it is not Baby Ruth. But that's that's, that, that's really, it's so way out. I came across that, and I thought this this just cannot be right. So the horsey questions that are out there, um, who rode Loco? And, and I guess... That's the only horsey question that's out. I've got a bunch of other horsey questions, so you can give a call, 714-545-2071. We have some other trivia questions if you're not into horses. And uh, we're having a good time. Merry Christmas, Walden. Merry Christmas, Patricia.
2: I was just trying to think of a, a Christmas trivia question out there to get out, get people in the mood to throw that in, uh, in there. Let me see here.
1: I do believe... Um, a, Life magazine is up here. It says create your own life timeline, uh, today's top photos, life special. So I guess life is still being published. How interesting.
2: All right. I wonder if we even still have magazine stands out there.
1: Oh, I don't know about that.
2: Yeah. All
1: right. Let's see here. Seven, two. What have we. I
2: mean, do we even have newspaper boys that just stand in the corner of New York City selling newspapers? I don't know about that.
1: I think so. It's not safe to even walk in there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, let's see what we got here. Um, All right. Who can give me any three lines? I'll, I'll settle for two lines. All right. From um, the Grinch. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch.
1: Mm-hmm. Who can give me another line from the Grinch? That's a Christmas question. Uh-huh.
2: And mine would be, what the rich, what was the original name of Silver Bells?
1: <laughs> I know the answer to that one. That's, that's really cute. If people have been listening, they know the answer.
2: Are you with us? There we go. I put myself back together. We lost you? Yep, I was. See, I, you know, I, was... I get scared. I think I'm out here all by
1: myself when you disappear like that.
5: Well...
1: And for anyone who missed it, Walden just fell over and fell asleep one night. <laughs> and I was sitting here all by myself. No,
5: you had a
2: collar along with you.
1: I didn't leave you alone. No, you didn't leave me alone, you just left me. You did do that. You know, folks... What?
2: Everybody knows how adorable Patricia is, but do you really think I would leave her all by herself? Well, you're so lovable, and yes, you did. <laughs> All right, here's a trivia question. I think she looks to catch me red-handed anytime time she can. You're so easy. I know. It's so easy to catch you at stuff. That's okay, true.
1: Edgar Bergen's daughter was sometimes referred to as Charlie McCarthy's sister. That's right. What was Edgar Bergen's daughter's name? So that one is tossed out there for tonight. Mm. I've got some really fun stuff for tonight. I have some Guinness World Book of Records. No, Book of World Records. Yes. Let's get that backwards. Are we ready? Sure. Okay. Here here we go. The fastest 100-meter hurdles wearing swim fins. (laughs) How do people think these things up? (laughs) All right. Fastest 100-meter hurdles wearing swim fins by a female was 22.35 seconds. That's
2: pretty good.
1: <laughs> you know, I mean, 100 meter in 22 seconds is pretty good to begin with.
2: I think Patricia could beat that, though.
1: Not in swim fins.
2: Not in swim fins? <laughs>
1: I don't think so. You know what those things look like. They look like feet. I know. Goodness gracious. Okay, that was in Germany. Someone by the name of Marin Zonker. I think the name is appropriate.
2: Bum, right. bum, right. bum, 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 bump. Bum, 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 bum.
1: I think this one is pretty cool. Hmm. And this is all together in one lump. The most number, the the greatest number of people dressed as Smurfs, blue little blue people, uh-huh. 1,253, at the Muckno Mania Festival in. Monaghan, Ireland on July 18, 2008. Now, why 1,250 people would get dressed up like Smurfs, I do not know. But they did, and they made the Book of Records.
2: That's probably why
1: they did it. Okay, now here's a, here's a guess. For, yeah, that's probably why they did it. I don't know, but Smurfs, I mean, if all things to get dressed up, I wonder how they picked Smurfs. I mean, Smurfs are cute, you know, they're, they're fun little blue critters. Um, here's a guess for you. The world's heaviest lemon. Now, lemons are, are kind of little. You know, they fit in the yeah.
2: of your hand. Um, I would say 50 pounds.
1: Oh, my God. A lemon. Wolf. A lemon, yeah. Not an animal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, we're talking a baby elephant here. <laughs> well, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, well, the, the record is 11 pounds, 9.7 ounces. That's
2: still pretty close to 50 pounds.
1: 11 pounds is close to 50 pounds?
2: Yeah, you're only 39 pounds away.
1: When you weigh my chocolate at the counter, I want you. <laughs> I, I want you. I'm going to ask 11 pounds of chocolate, and you can serve me any time.
2: Uh, I'll have a heavy thumb, yeah.
1: That one was in Israel.
2: No kidding. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Israel. Um, and, I, you know, they, they have... Um,
2: well, they have special uh, agriculture g- growing methods in, in Israel, because water is so scarce. They, yes. They, 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 they almost need to create some uh, environments like that, and so I, I'm not surprised.
1: They do. They, they obviously pipe in all of their water yeah. It's the, a desert environment, and they're... It's
2: it gotta be recycled, too, probably.
1: Yeah, something grew the largest lemon. Okay, here we go. Uh, some guy whose name I cannot pronounce in Switzerland collected 8, 8,888 different do-not-disturb-hotel signs from 189 countries since 1985.
2: You think he did that much traveling?
1: Well, I, I guess he could just run in and down the hall and grab... Do not disturb signs from the outside of doors. I don't know how. How would you visit 100? Well, he, he had to. 189 countries? Maybe people sent them to him.
2: Yeah, he probably has an official website.
1: Yeah, I, I, I would think so. I mean, how could some. Well, you never know. People do weird things. But anyway, 8,888 do not disturb signs.
2: Mm, 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 <laughs> it's pretty cool. <laughs> pretty nice.
1: Okay, the largest gathering of Santa Clauses.
2: Oh, I bet about
1: 10,000. Wow. 13,000! Wow! In Northern Ireland, Derry City, Northern Ireland on December 9th, 2007. Now, I don't know. They, 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 when you look at these results, when you look at the records, they don't give you too much background information. So, I don't know what the circumstances were The 13,000 people dressed up in red suits showed up in Ireland.
2: Well, yeah. you know, now, Santa must have been a little shorthanded that year, you. Everybody went and Got together all in one spot. Well, it was December 9th. They had time to disperse. Okay, okay. But maybe they were out of work. Well, I was just thinking all oh, the little kitties out there in shopping malls were Santa. he yeah. gone to the Santa convention this year. Maybe these guys were out of work. I don't know. Uh, okay.
1: okay. Right. Some guy named Furman, Ashrita Furman, crushed 80 eggs with his head in one minute. <laughs> <laughs> I was <laughs> at the Panorama Cafe in Jamaica, New York City. Well, I understand that,
2: you know, uh, rotten eggs, some people use in shampoo mixtures, so I get that appropriate, huh? I mean,
1: well, then, when I get finished, I think I've only got two more. I, I do. I've only got two more on the list. While I'm reading these, I want, <laughs> I want you to put your creative brain into operation and tell me if you were going to do something inane enough. You get into the book of world records, what would you do? Now this guy figured that he could he could hold the record in the greatest number of eggs crushed in one minute with his head. And only in New York City could that happen. Okay. A gourd. The Guinness World Record has confirmed that a massive pumpkin grown in Wisconsin is officially the world's heaviest pumpkin. Now we're into Walden's territory. How much is the world's
2: heaviest pumpkin? Ah, 300 pounds.
1: 1,810 pounds. Wow. Now that is one heck of a pumpkin on
2: steroids, huh? That's a a great pumpkin pie.
1: Wow. Okay. Now we're back in England again with the Smurfs. Mm -hmm. This guy began collecting Smurfs as a child, and when they were sold by a chain of garages across the U.K., and he has never stopped and as of January 28, 2010, he had collected a total of 1,061 Smurfs. Well, that doesn't sound like an awful lot, except he's got Christmas Smurf Smurfs, Easter Smurfs, 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 and Smurfs dressed as historical figures. So these are all special items. Hmm. I guess he's got a good
2: Smurf collection. Uh, I guess so. <laughs> arrival Patricia's all-time radio collection yeah
1: well yeah. cool. really into smurfs let me see here the Smurfs oh, the, the, the gathering of smurfs was Ireland the sky is in England okay if you were going to get into the Book of records by doing something inane I know you're the only person in my life who could come up with something inane enough to do that
2: hmm what would you do Trying to think of doing something with the Christmas theme here. I'll be visiting as many, uh, as many places in the world during Christmas time.
1: That doesn't sound as creative as breaking eggs with your
2: head. I know. I know. Or maybe somebody can help us out. I know. I thought about eating, but I don't want a, a stomach ache. Hello there.
6: Hello, this is your roving reporter, Chad Ballou, <laughs> calling from a very, very, very special location. Oh, you so are. doing tonight? Chad are,
2: are you are you, at, are you in a Christmas tree farm in Wisconsin, or where are you tonight, sir? Uh,
6: not this time. Actually, I am, right at the moment, I am standing uh, outside the uh, Pennsylvania State House in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and the date is July second, seventeen seventy six, uh. and there is a very special event just happening over inside the Pennsylvania State House um, that I'm going to be reporting on today.
2: Okay, are you going to be able to get any one-on-one interviews with any of the delegates at at this event?
6: Um, I'm not sure if I'll be able to get any one-on-one interviews, mm-hmm. but um, I should be able to get some. Uh, I should be able to get some of their comments on Mike as they are debating.
2: Perfect, perfect. So so are you going to be able to call us throughout the night with comments, you are you going to be able to figure this all out fairly quickly?
6: Well, I'm going to uh, stay here uh, for the next, uh, I don't know, 20 or 30 minutes and report on I'm standing outside at the moment,
2: yeah.
4: and
6: I'll be going inside in a minute to give you the report.
2: Perfect. Have any idea who's attending the event? Uh,
6: quite a few uh People you've probably never heard of because uh, they haven't done a whole lot, but uh, this the uh, members of the Second Continental Congress State who have been meeting here for a few months now. Um, excuse me. Uh, can you hear all those bells out there? Um, that's coming right from the bell tower of the State House here, wow. the State House. And before I go in, I I do have a little information about uh, this State House. It was actually built between 1732 and 1753. Um, It was designed by Edmund Woolley and Andrew Hamilton, and it was built by Woolley. Um, It was commissioned by the Colonial Legislature of Pennsylvania, so um, they paid for it as funds became available. But it's located here right on Chester Street between uh, 5th and 6th Street, right here in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And, um, so
2: how did, he you get, know, how did he get there? Yeah. Did he go by horse? Or how did he get to Pennsylvania this time around?
6: Well, it's sort of my own invention, and it's a little, um, I'm not going to tell you a whole bunch about how it works, <laughs> because I don't want anyone to steal on my invention <laughs> so, Anyway, uh, this has been the principal meeting place of the Second Continental Congress mm-hmm. for um, since about la- sometime last year in 1775. hmm um, and who who is the,
2: who is the president of the of the of the uh, second Con- second Continental Congress? Uh, well, I should think
6: you should know the answer to that. Well, I do. Uh, but
2: I, yeah. did, I I didn't know that they've already changed office uh, office yet. Oh, I I I knew, was okay. it was some insurance guy named John Hancock. Uh, yes, it is. Okay, okay, then, then, who's still in power?
6: Um, you'll have to excuse the noise. I don't know if you can hear all the carriages passing by, but you'll have to excuse that noise. Okay, okay. Uh, Mr. Boca, Bull- yeah. um, could, could we go back to
1: your actual identity and tell me where are you calling from
6: tonight? Uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, uh, 1776. Um, excuse me, um, there seems to be a lot of dogs around here. I think I'm going to go right inside right now. Okay you don't mind, because uh, there's too many dogs out here. Too many
1: dogs out there?
6: I don't know if you could hear them.
1: The last time you called us, you were in a tree. Where are you tonight? Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Are you really in Philadelphia? Uh, 1776, to be exact. This is going to be a long night, isn't
6: it?
4: Sure, uh, why not? Um,
6: I, uh, I think I'm going to go upstairs now to my soundproof booth, uh, So. So, um, we won't have so many interruptions.
1: <laughs> we, haven't, we haven't, um, I'm the only interruption.
6: <laughs> uh, no, no, I'm sorry. I, I don't know. Maybe you couldn't hear the people talking there in the background.
1: Oh, okay. I couldn't hear the people talking in the background. How are you doing? This is really neat that you're calling in tonight. Where are you calling from this time?
6: Philadelphia. Oh, are Um, I'm, right now I'm walking up the stairs to the second floor. Okay. Uh, I have my sound. Booth up there so we...
2: Are you going to be able to still watch the delegates in action, though?
6: Uh, Yes, I do have a small window that I've specifically put in for this purpose. Okay. Um, Actually, not too many people know about it, so I hope I didn't do anything wrong. But anyway, I will be, I don't think anyone will catch me by the time I'm done with this broadcast, Mm -hmm. so if all goes well, that is.
1: Is your brother Wally there
6: tonight? Say what? Is your brother Wally there tonight? Uh, No, uh, he's on another assignment. Um, Apparently there's there's some big, huge ship out that struck an iceberg or something, and I'm not quite sure, but uh, he's on there uh, giving a live report on a uh, network. Um, Anyway, here I'm right at my room, so I better go inside. Ah.
2: The door closed, I heard that.
6: Okay. Uh, Yeah, uh, my chair is a little squeaky, so Mm -hmm. you'll have to pardon that. But um, Ben Franklin will will fix that right up. Oh, yes, he will. Um, I could, uh, if you'd like, I could give you a little uh, history on the event that is taking place today. uh, Please do. Please do. Well, maybe it's more of a lot of history. Um, Depends how in-depth you want me to go. But I figure it is a historical occasion, and I am here live, so I could give you quite an in-depth look at the situation as it is unfolding at this moment.
2: I'm all, I'm all ears. What do you got?
6: Okay, well, um, where to start? Well, you may have heard uh, rumors that uh, the Continental Congress was thinking of declaring independence from the, uh, British, colony, uh, the British Crown, excuse me, um, in part to the Stamp Act of 1765 and the Townsend Act of uh, 1767. Um, because the colonies are, um, are not directly represented in Parliament, and the colonists would like to be, um, because of the, all the heavy tax that are being levied on them, they don't feel that they are represented properly in Parliament. Um, excuse me, I'm just perusing my notes. Um, the, although many colonists um, no longer think that Parliament... Uh, Has any sovereignty over them? Uh, Some of them still profess loyalty to the king um, because they hope he will intercede on their behalf because they think the government is mainly the culprit, if you will. Um, uh, However, uh, last year they've been disappointed because the king rejected Congress' second petition um, and issued a proclamation of rebellion, and also announced that Parliament. He announced that in Parliament on October the 26th, I believe it was, um, that he considered them friendly. Uh, he was even considering friendly offers of foreign assistance to suppress the rebellion. And, and we have reports that he has hired mercenaries from Germany, I believe it is. Um, and then January of this year, uh, as it became clear that the king was ignoring the colonists, um, the Pamphlet you may have read by Thomas Paine came out, and uh, so in the uh, Continental Congress, has been they have been debating independence. Um, not many of the pub- general public have been, and the Thomas Paine's pamphlet, Common Sense, really started a lot of people debating over it, and so it's a pretty timely document or pamphlet that he uh, published. Um, any questions? Am I going too fast here? No, no, I'm all yours. I... Okay, uh, okay. Little, boy, there's a picture for your mind.
2: Mm-hmm, I'm all yours, yeah, big ears.
6: Um, anyway, um, in February, uh, after the colonists learned Parliament passed a prohibition, prohibitory act um, which established the blockade of American ports and also declared American ships to be enemy vessels, um, John Adams who is a strong supporter of independence um, believed that because of that Parliament had effectively declared American independence before Congress was even able to um, he called that act an act of independency um, also a complete dismemberment of the British Empire So and support of declaring independence grew even more after that um, and after King George, and after it had been confirmed that King George had hired German mercenaries. Um, so, congressional delegates, um, excuse me, in April, after well, they're, what they're calling a complex political war, uh, to, excuse me, I'm mind blank, um, after a complex political war, um, to declare independence or to, to not, Declare independence. Um, one of the proponents or opponents of independence was uh, Dickinson, or excuse me, yes. Just correct me if I'm wrong, of course. Um, anyway, um, I fear that I am rambling. Am I?
2: No. <laughs> you're doing good. Anyway, you're doing good. So when are still in April, right?
6: Yeah. Uh, many Americans were. Well, they formally expressed support for separation from Great Britain, and actually several state and local governments also did um, through April and also even up until this month. Um, Some were written instructions, um, such as the Halifax Resolve. um, In April, Uh, North Carolina became the first colony to explicitly authorizes delegates to vote for independence so in a way that is a local declaration of independence
1: mm. can i hop in with questions as you go yes yes how many delegates refused to vote for independence how many did not sign the declaration
6: uh, uh, at this moment um, they have not vo- they have not voted to d- declare independence yet so um, they will be doing that shortly, um, in, actually, they're almost coming to blows, but they are still debating at this moment. There has not been a vote as of yet. Um, uh, there should be several since, um, there, they have been authorized to vote for independence. There should be several who will vote for independence. Um, uh, Rhode Island uh, for one, has been, uh, authorized to vote for independence in North Carolina, like I just mentioned. Um, and in May, Rhode Island, uh, also, uh, they actually declared independence from Great Britain, as well as authorizing their delegates to vote for independence for the colonies as a whole. Um, well, when
1: when the end of the day gets there, how how many are going to vote for and how many against?
6: Um, well, I'm not sure. We'll have to see. Um, we'll probably be able to uh, hear some of the votes live when it does happen. Um,
2: I... <laughs> this is Yesterday USA. We have Chad Blue at the Philadelphia. Uh, Capitol building? Yeah, report. we're going to have to wind up in a minute. Uh, we're reporting on the Continental Congress.
6: Are we running
1: out of time? Yeah, we're, we're running a little short on time. That's why, uh, forgive me, I was...
6: I was. Uh, do you have a live interview?
1: I was coming to the, uh, I was cutting to the chase and, and the bottom line about how many voted for and how many against on the Constitution. Uh, not the Constitution, the uh, Declaration.
6: Uh, are you having some kind of live interview later? Uh... I could, that I could call back uh, when they are finally about to go.
1: When, go. when you have uh, some additional information about how the vote is going, we'd love to hear from you. We
6: do. Okay, I can do that. Um, well, then, for the moment, I shall say uh, pleasant, pleasant, pleasant evening. Uh, yes, uh, and this is Chad Blue reporting live uh, throughout the night from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the uh, Philadelphia... State House uh, on July 2nd, 1776, and good evening to
2: all. Thank you, Mr. Ballou. We'll hear from you soon.
6: Okay. Thank you. Bye.
1: And there's Chad Baloo. Chad Baloo, That is Chad from Nebraska, one of our regular chat room people who comes up with more creative ways to make a phone call than anybody <laughs> I know. 714-545-2071.
2: Alright, so let's see. Guinness Book of World Records.
1: Guinness Book of World Records. Would you like me to give you some useful I I, I always have useless but, but fun information, but I've got some useful and fun information. Do you wanna All right. How many, um, seriously, how many, well, you, you're a pretty husky guy. How many could you eat, do you think?
2: I don't really know. I don't eat a lot. I really don't.
1: I, I, I think, well, you know, I mean, I look at these people shoveling food in their mouths.
2: I'm nowhere in that category. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I'd be, you know, if I didn't have anything to eat, I, I could probably get at least, six to twelve
1: I think that would be okay uh-huh. I, I think you'd lose but
2: oh I know I would but,
1: but I, I think I think you could probably get six down I don't, uh-huh. I don't know I mean I, I'm a chocolate lover I don't know if I could if I could do that um, let me let me do uh, the questions that are still out mm-hmm. I asked last week what mr. Peavy's first name was and we didn't get a call on that. I needed to know the name of the character played by Ransom Sherman on Fibber McGee and Molly. That one's been out for a long time. In Dragnet, who Frank Smith was. And we've got some horses. Who rode, ah, uh, let's see, who rode Loco and who rode Ruth, a horse named Ruth, and that was a television horse. I've got a whole bunch of other horses here for anybody who wants to give a shot at at horses here. Okay, useful and fun. This is advice from a burglar.
2: What could you do for the Guinness Book of World Records, protection? What would I do? What could you do?
1: What could I do? Well, I guess, you know, the person who sat the longest and looked for trivia.
5: (laughs) (laughs) That can do it. Like and, you know, right.
1: I, I think I could do that. Uh-huh. And I'd, I'd have to set up my little workstation here and have a few. I, you're allowed to take a break. I don't know how many minutes, an hour, or how many minutes every two hours.
2: I think, I think people are allowed five minutes per hour. You can do a lot in five minutes. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, gee, you know, I, I,
1: I'm a little bit more creative than that. I have the, the world's longest Monopoly game, so we're out of luck there. Mm-hmm. Unless you can beat 70 days. 70 days? Can you imagine? Um,
2: That's a long time.
1: Hmm. I would have to think about that. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be food.
2: I like food. I like food a lot, but. but I, I could not. I uh, you know, they have the July 4th eating contest. I, I couldn't see doing that.
1: Eye eating contests and stuff? No. No. No, I'd like to enter, but I'm not going to win. <laughs> 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 I would like to enter. Okay, if I'm a burglar. The first thing I'm going to do is knock on your door to see if anybody's home. How about that?
2: That's very nice.
1: Yeah. There there used to be another trick, but, of course, everybody's walking around with cell phones now. The old trick used to be to uh, make a phone call. And if the answering machine picked up or you heard the phone ringing and nobody picked up, then you knew nobody was home. So I thought that was pretty good. Never knew that. All right. The best deterrent. And can be even better than the best alarm system, a loud TV or a radio playing.
2: Huh, interesting.
1: You used to be able to buy, for $35, you used to be able to buy a device that worked on a timer that simulated the flicker of a television. So when you were walking past the house, Mm -hmm. it would look like a television was on, Hmm. but you can't buy them anymore. Interesting. Yeah, it was only $35, too. That was pretty good. Okay. And on the on the bargain basement? Shopping for bargains? Yes. Bargains are at the bottom. The lower prices are on the lower shelves, so always look down.
2: No kidding.
1: Yeah. Okay. Pricey stuff has the the eye level positions mm-hmm. are the most expensive places that the manufacturers rent. I mean manufacturers pay for space for their products. And supermarkets, I mean, you know that, because your your brother is in the supermarket business. Right. Um, But because it costs the most, the products that it costs the manufacturers the most to put their products on that shelf, they are also the priciest products. Mm -hmm. But when you look down on the bottom, you'll frequently find the store brands or the lesser expensive brands, and they're on the the less expensive shelves. You know, the the cheaper products. Can't afford to buy the most expensive visibility places. So sure. So look down. If you're looking for bargains, start at the bottom and work your way up. And this is good stuff. This is this is interesting, right?
2: Absolutely.
1: Okay, let's see. Alright, now we've got useless but fun stuff. Yeah?
2: I'm all use.
1: All right. Small animals like bats and shrews. Shrews are are, are little mousy type critters. Right. Consume up to one and a half times their body weight in food every single day. Hmm. For an adult male, and in people terms, mm-hmm. it would be the equivalent of eating 1,000 quarter-pound cheeseburgers every day.
2: Well, I know I'm quite not in that league. I'm
1: <laughs> not in that league either. <laughs> um, but anyway. Oh. Let's see now. Hmm, 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 hmm. Hitchcock bought the rights. Oh, okay, Hitch- uh, Alfred Hitchcock. He bought the rights to to the novel Psycho anonymously from the author for nine thousand uh, dollars.
2: I seem to remember hearing that.
1: How about that? I yeah. did not know that. Yeah. Um, let's see. The movie was referred to uh, during filming uh, because they wanted to keep it under wraps. He also went around and bought up as many copies of the novel as he could to uh, keep the ending a secret. During, during filming, the movie was referred to as Production 9401. Huh, it didn't even have the name of it up there. Let's see what else. Contrary to popular rumors, during the shooting of the shower scene, Alfred Hitchcock did not arrange for the water to suddenly go ice cold when the attack started. I guess that was supposed to give the Janet Levy the <laughs> really shocking stuff. Okay. All right. Of all the professionals in the United States, of all the professionals,
2: who has the largest vocabulary? Well, I heard something that's hard for me to believe about the, the, the difference between females and males. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, but uh, regarding, regarding that, uh, similar topic. Let's see here. Males who have... Um, Well, I would say college professors.
1: Journalists, which makes a whole lot of sense.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. The average vocabulary for journalists, and I don't know who they put in the category of journalists, whether Mm -hmm. it's all writers or just newspaper people or, you know, Mm -hmm. I I don't know who goes into that, but obviously they're among the writers of the world. Mm -hmm. 20,000-word vocabulary. Mm. That's a lot of words. Interesting. Yeah. In any given week throughout the year, an average of 2.3 million Americans are on paid vacation. No wonder the country's in problems. 2.3. <laughs> that's really not a whole lot of people when you no. think about you know, getting three or four weeks vacation. Yeah, year. that's true. Yeah. Google. We looked up, you and I looked mm-hmm. up the meaning of the word Google. Right. Remember what the definition
2: is? It was some form of a number, but I don't remember yep. what it is.
1: Google is actually a number, and I didn't know that until you told me. It it is the number one followed by 100 zeros. I guess when you get that many zeros, it doesn't have a name yet. Well, Google is the name, though. I wonder what one followed by 90 zeros is.
2: Uh, Google it? I
1: don't think so. Oh, okay. All right. The most valuable nutrients in a potato?
2: butter? I love potato skin. That's very good stuff.
1: Yeah. And hey, you had a question before, before I finished
2: I do. the rest of this stuff. I was waiting for you when you got done and said, okay, Wong.
1: All right. Well, let me, I've only got a couple of more. Okay. Kitty cats. Kitty cats purr. Uh-huh.
2: They
1: never stop purring.
4: Uh-huh.
1: Whether, and, um, when they're purring, they, they do not stop to inhale. They just keep purring, whether they're breathing in or breathing out.
2: Ah. Uh. I guess they want to make sure you, they know where you don't step on them.
1: So there's, well, there's some kind of a motor. I, I don't know where a, they're... And... A cat motor? Yeah, they got this little motor, your, your purr button. Yeah. Alright, the average Major League Baseball, the actual baseball, mm-hmm. the, the thing. Yeah. The, how long does it last?
2: The spear. Uh, well, Major League. Uh, I always go to several dozen, several dozen balls, so... In terms of batters, in terms of time. Pitches. Uh, well, see, I would say about eight pitches.
1: Boy, are you good! It's seven
2: pitches. Wow. I would,
1: I wouldn't have, just, I wouldn't have taken a guess. I actually, I would have guessed less than that, mm-hmm. as you know, foul balls and right. foul tips, and right. it hits the dirt,
2: hit the dirt, yeah,
1: up. So I thought seven pitches was kind of high, but yeah. you're really good. Ah. You are really good. Ah. Okay, how many radios were there in 1938? In, in the country? Uh huh, in
2: America. 50 million. No, 27.5. Wow.
1: That's still a lot of radios. Still
2: a lot of radios. Number
1: of households.
2: Yeah, which well, is probably like a 10 to 15 year span to think about it.
1: Yeah. Okay, what was your question?
2: The question is what? how many words that the average male say a day? And the average female says a day.
6: <laughs> this is a <all> loaded.
2: <laughs> I never heard this until within the last week or so. Oh,
1: I'm going to verify it. You you know that, right? Uh, that's okay. All right, I'm going to go out and and I'm going to verify that uh, women really do have more words than <laughs> men. Um, let me think.
2: And I can guarantee you everybody that Patricia doesn't meet the qualification. She doesn't. No. No kidding. Well, you don't. I talk too much or too no, little? No, no, no. You're all by yourself. There's nothing to talk to. Ah, well, I, I talk to myself. I know. That's true. I'm a very good
1: listener, too.
2: I know. I'm a captive
1: audience. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get up and walk
2: away from you. That's me. true. Um,
1: uh,
2: all right, so everybody, that's a good question. What? How much? How many words does the average male say a day and the average female says a day?
1: If the male is in an office setting female female has usually spends more time with the kids boy you know I really don't know we can talk at what hundred uh, average average speed of speech is if you're talking normally like I don't A hundred words a minute, 125 words a minute, 125 words a minute. Is that that right?
2: Well, I was listening to a um, an NBC special I picked up. I have a copied her. They copied it in the mid 30s, late 30s. They had a a speed speaking contest between three famous radio announcers, and Ben Graw won it at 430 words a minute.
1: For a speed, and what was what? And what was what is the? Average, I suppose I should
2: look I don't know, but you would think it's got to be between 80 to 100. And,
1: and my guess would be closer to 125. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. They, if you've got someone dictating, they tend to dictate slower, but a person, well, I don't know. All right, um, t- talk to me about the male and female thing.
2: Well, uh, I can tell you that the female speaks a little more.
1: A little more? <laughs> how how
2: how little more? Fifty uh, percent more? That's <laughs> not a little <laughs> more. <laughs> All right. So they say the average male speaks six thousand words a day, and the average female speaks nine thousand words a day. I have no idea if that's correct, but that's just the only thing that's been thrown out there lately.
1: This is discouraging. 6,000 words, that's not an awful lot of words.
2: Yeah, I guess so. Uh, uh, honey, what are we having for breakfast? What am I going to have for dinner? I love you, and I'll, I'll see you when I get home. That's about it, right? Yeah, but. Yeah, but.
1: Yeah, but. All right. <laughs> um, My speed and average difference. Average speed. Um... I don't think we're talking miles an hour here. (laughs) (laughs) That's what they're trying to pass us off as. Okay, speed reading test, speed of speech and its implications. Hmm. More to do with plausibility, how fast, how many words, Um, words per minute. Why don't I just say average speed words per minute? (laughs) Mm -mm. Um, you have to keep talking,
2: while Yep, we're still waiting for a report from Chad Blue to figure out when the voting gets done what happened. That's in play. Uh, Ron from Hawaii is planning to give us a call over three hours from now. Uh, we do have some radio shows tonight, everybody. Uh, Screen Guild and Fibber, if we get to it. We have Christmas in July. We have the topic tonight is the 4th of July. And next week we're having a guest. We're having a super guest. And you want to disclose who he is at the moment? Sure. All right. Who are we going to talk to?
1: We're going to be talking with Donnie Pitchford, who is the president of the National Lum and Abner Society. Donnie has been with us before. He talks I mean, he is just so good about Lum and Abner, but he also performs Lum and Abner plays when they have Lum and Abner conventions together. He does voiceovers for comics, Lum and Abner comics, which he also draws, and he is a master at caricatures. So he's going to be really interesting. The... Comic strips are brand new. They're only up to the fifth or sixth comic strip, and he's drawing them. They're being published in a Kansas. Is it Kansas?
2: Nope, Kansas. Arkansas. Arkansas.
1: Arkansas. Oh, silly me. Of course it's Arkansas. Yeah. I had the Kansas
2: part, right? Yeah, pretty close. Yeah, I just left off a few letters. Yeah, just take the AR off and you yeah, get I, Kansas. Yeah, I tripped
1: on the way in the door. <laughs> So he's, he's going to be a really fun guest. Uh, you can visit the National Lum and Abner Society by going to, is it Lum and Abner?
2: Society.org.
1: Society.org. And it's a fun site to visit. You can sign up. You'll get some information periodically from Donnie about what's going on in the society, you'll get newsletters, all sorts of goodies are up there. So Donnie will be with us next week. That's Donnie Pitchford, who is president of the Lumen and Adner, the National Lumen and Adner Society.
2: Guess what I'll be doing next Saturday before the show? What? I'll be visiting one of the legendary writers at his apartment at 3 o'clock in the afternoon up in L.A. Which will be? Norman Corwin. Norman Corwin. Yeah. Oh, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. What are you going to be doing with him? Oh, we're discussing the future, some of the future projects we're working on. And, you know, we're, we're thinking about his legacy. So we've been invited to go up and talk to him about it.
1: How exciting.
2: Yeah.
1: That will be really fun.
2: So that will be next Saturday afternoon. So when I get back, we'll be the show and Should be, we should be all on time, so I I can report how Norman's doing at age 101. Remarkable. Yep. Yep.
1: All right. Are you looking for speech speeds here?
2: All right. What we got?
1: Audio books are recommended to be 150 to 160 words per minute, which is the range that people can comfortably hear and speak. Mm Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Research has demonstrated that adults can listen with full comprehension at 300 words per minute, which would dovetail perfectly with what Kurt has been talking about with the speed software that he has to speed up the sound of shows and audiobooks without elevating, you know, like making it sound like Mickey Mouse. The, right. The stays the same, but
6: it's absolutely double of what the average is. Hello there. Hello, this is your roving reporter again, and they are about to start the vote. All right. If anyone is interested.
2: We are sure definitely interested. How's it going?
6: And I, uh, I will try to bring you uh, some of the speeches um, if my audio equipment holds out. Um, just to, re- to say what they are voting on, um, Representative Lee of Virginia was instructed to ask the Congress that they vote for independence, and after much debate yesterday, they passed that resolution. Uh, several were opposed to it in the beginning, but they passed it, and so today they are actually voting on independence, um, and uh, they actually have, they're voting on a declaration in a way, but the um, they had a committee draft a declaration of independence. They have not finalized the wording, but they are actually voting on independence today um, without, written, without it written out exactly. But in the next few days, they will review the declaration, which gives the reasons why they are now voting today for independence. And, um, oh, and it looks like they are about getting ready to... Um, um, Mr. Adams is stepping up to the podium right now, and it uh, looks like he has a few words to say. Uh, let's take you right now to the Assembly Hall in uh, Philadelphia, uh, the Philadelphia State House in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, July 2nd, 1776
0: to ekip extraordinarily değecek eşsiz kalabir dost ekibine geçmiş olsunlar demiş. eee 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 and eee 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 of eee 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 eee
7: Uh, There
6: you have it. That was Mr. Adams speaking for independence. I hope you were able to hear that.
2: We got a little bit of it. We sound like the microphone way far away, but we got a little Um, bit there.
6: I'll see if I can, uh, as you say, turn the pot up. All right. Okay. The opponent has just stepped up to the podium. Uh, Mr. Dickinson, who is so far against independence, although he does want the whole committee, uh, excuse me, the whole Congress to be in full agreement. However, he is making one last ditch effort to oppose independence. So let's see. See what he has to say right now.
0: My my opponents are citizens. They do not, they cannot believe that these colonies will be able to withdraw as independent states. Their true goal is not independence. They exploit indignation against the mother country. To further their own personal fortune. This My opponents make their appeal to the universe. I make my appeal to intelligence and learning. Mr. British troops are on Staten Island in overwhelming force. They are about to attack New York. General Washington's task will be difficult to test declaration of independence now will serve only to defy the people of new york and take the defense of that city. purpose start declaration and you will set brother against brother father against son the colonies will become not only the scene of warfare with a mother country but civil war as well and in the bloody sex ...transmissive struggle that is no possibility of success. So claim independence this evening, gentlemen. And you gain nothing! You rarely fight the war with the destruction. I urge you to vote again. I beg, I plead, I respect you. Overgate! Against
6: indiscence! ...the <laughs> power and there you see, Mr. Dickinson is opposed to independence, and I hope you were able to hear that. Well, we
1: really appreciate the update, Mr. Balou. You keep us posted on what is happening
6: there, please. And uh, yeah, they are about to take the vote. Uh, President Hancock is about to introduce it. Uh, let's see what he has to say. Well, then I'm going to
1: click off here for a bit. <laughs>
0: Okay, they
6: are they are getting ready to vote, and hopefully we will be able to tell you that in a few short moments the American colonies actually have independence, and they are, they are starting to vote.
0: Perhaps, uh, Mr. Good afternoon, Mr. Woodhouse. <laughs> Mr. Roger Sherman. He's <laughs> New Jersey, the Dr. Witherspoon. He's <laughs> a
6: And there you have it. They have reached enough votes to that uh, the declaration, or excuse me, that they have officially declared independence. Right. Uh, I guess this should be Happy Independence Day, July 2nd. Uh, this should be a day that will lit, uh, go down in history as a great day for uh, the American colonies, uh, how we officially have independence.
2: Good job. Good and, job, uh, I'm Glad you made the big trip all the way out there to do that.
6: Uh, yes, uh, they they just finished. So uh, the tally is. Uh, tw- uh, uh, New York has abstained from voting. They did not have permission to vote. Um, So, uh, 12 votes for independence and one abstain. uh, One state abstained. So, um, and actually, uh, I hear tell that one person just for this vote rode 80 miles last night just to get here. So, um, quite a sacrifice on his part um, for this. Great, uh, these great colonies. Now we officially have independence. So uh, I shall say Happy Independence Day. Thank you, Chad. And uh, I think I shall uh, go get into my time (laughs) machine. I I forgot. Yeah, my time machine. Uh, So um, I'll I'll see if I can um, uh, get my time machine working. And uh, here we go. Uh, So I guess I shall see you a little later. Um, Sound good? This this has been Chad Blue reporting live from. Oh. Oh no, I I'm afraid I have a little problems with my time machine. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. Ooh. Um. Uh. Well, um. I'm afraid I... my time machine seems to have broken down. Um. Um. I don't know what to do. Um. Uh, I guess I'll have to go to the uh, ye old time machine shop around the corner and see if I can get a replacement part. Um. <laughs> let's see what I have. Oh, nah. I should have known, this goes out all the time, it, uh, it's all these things, um, seems that my Dynaflux superflowing unit jet turbo vasculator, which is meshed with the multi-coil hydrotension dual vacuum dynamometer has broken, so I'll have to see if I can get another one and um, see if I can get back home. Um, this has been Chad Blue reporting live from Philadelphia on July 2nd, 1776, and hopefully I'll... Get home
2: and talk to you guys later. Oh, so I'll right. see you home. Okay. <laughs> thank uh, you. Mr. Blue. Thank you luck. Thank you, Chad Blue.
6: Bye. Bye.
2: Good grief. Hope you got enough pennies to buy a unit that matter, that dramatical time machine over the corner of Philadelphia Street. Good grief. Good grief. Well, only yesterday USA we have uh, uh, reporters. You know what I was thinking, Patricia? You know what you and I need to do five years from now? Five years from now? Uh huh. What? We should go to Philadelphia. it would be the 250th birthday. As in you and I? As you and I. Go to Philadelphia? Well, won't they have the big celebration? I suppose so. Oh.
1: Probably have one in Williamsburg, too.
2: That's true. Well, okay. You want to go to Williamsburg? Williamsburg? I like Williamsburg. Okay, we'll go to Williamsburg.
1: And and in July it's probably beautiful there.
2: Ah, okay.
1: Somebody from Virginia has to give us a call and let us know what the weather is in Virginia.
2: But I was just thinking, you know, we're getting close to the anniversary of the uh, country. Five five years from now.
1: I went to Virginia one time to go to
2: Williamsburg. Yeah.
1: And it was in January and everybody kept telling me how mild the winters are in Williamsburg.
2: I, I was in froze. I was there in July.
1: My camera froze. Uh oh. but take no pictures. Um, I did not go to the camera shop. I later talked with another um, someone who worked for the same magazine and was doing photography work, and he said, you know, you can you can buy units where you keep them inside your coat and put the batteries in there so the batteries don't freeze. But this was the mild winter in Williamsburg. I was so cold.
2: Oh, Walden. Oh, bunny rabbit, Patricia. I was so cold. So January.
1: I, I'm not going back in January.
2: I went in July, so that was okay.
1: Yeah, July. July is good. So okay. we'll we'll go to Williamsburg. I think that's a good deal.
2: 250. I I would love to see our country's birthday. Some of the great places like that. Oh my that.
1: goodness. Oh my goodness. What a place that is. Yeah. It really is a fabulous place to be and see. Hooray for us! Hooray for, for us! Okay. Well. We've got some stuff to give away. We've got Merry Christmas all over the place because it is not only Happy Independence Day, hooray for us, yep. coming up, but we've also got Christmas in July. And I wonder who's responsible for that.
2: Uh, well, it was a caller, a listener, who became a disc jockey. noise Noyce was responsible for the idea. They okay, used to complain how hot and dry it was in Arizona in July, and he thought, Here's Christmas shows to help cool them off. So I have to tip the idea to make the noise for that. And that was all you needed. to That's all I was needed. Kick and
1: off another month in July. Uh-huh. And just in case people are interested, Walden and I are putting together some ideas
2: for it this coming Christmas. Yes. We're, 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 we'll take donations. <laughs> no, what? In, in chocolate. You know, you can send your chocolate-covered... Donations to to uh to 2001 Plymouth Rock Drive, uh Plymouth Rock Drive, Richardson, Texas 75081. Just put the just, just make sure put in big letters Patricia and Walden on the box, and it'll get forwarded to us.
1: How are they going to forward one box to two
2: people? Well, we have to have a strategy. I I think I think what we'll do we'll ask Kim to open up the box. And if it's chocolate-covered strawberries... Don't touch them. we will we will we'll subdivide them. We'll share. we will we will we'll share. We'll share. Uh-huh.
1: Or, you could send it to Walden,
2: and he'll send me half. That's true. That's true. <laughs> or you could email them all to Patricia at FloridaWriter at Hotmail.com, and she'll make sure I get my half, too. It'll get pretty gooey in there. I know, but it'll taste really <laughs> good when it's, once it drops into the inbox.
1: Chocolate is one of the four basic food groups.
2: Mm, what are the other three? Chocolate, uh,
1: dark chocolate, uh-huh. white
2: chocolate, uh-huh.
1: and chocolate milk.
2: <laughs> oh my gosh. Smash this stuff
1: down with something.
2: Chocolate milk? Yeah, chocolate so, milk. So you need chocolate syrup, too?
1: Well, yeah, but that's kind of milk chocolate type
2: stuff. That's milk chocolate stuff? Chocolate,
1: chocolate milk, you get your protein out of milk, so... So this is good. So I've got some Christmas stuff to give away here. I've got twenty five volumes of the true value. Happy Holidays Christmas volumes. These are and these are Christmas like records. You know, the the old 70, not 78,
2: the uh, 33 RPM? Those, those things that, that those things are plastic and around?
1: Yeah, those disky type things.
2: Those, oh, those things. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Only you're going to get them on CD and there are 25 volumes in this True Value Happy Holiday thing. I've got uh, a huge collection of individual um, Merry Christmas from the 1940s and Merry 1940s Christmas I've got Christmas Serenade in the Glenn Miller style. I've got a little bit of Duke Ellington, Doris Day, Peggy Lee, Joe Stafford. A Christmas Carol, the the story that Christmas Carol told by Vincent Price. I had never heard that one before. And he's one of my favorite people, so that's kind of fun. So I've got all of this great Christmas music to give away and Christmas goodies. And I have radio shows to give away. You have to answer some questions for me. But I know you can do that. 714-545-2071. Walden is standing by. The phones are open.
2: How's the weather in Florida?
1: Weather in Florida is good. I do have to tell you that... um, Goodness gracious, it was Dan. I'm sure it was Dan. I know it was Dan. Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) I have to make sure. I have my people correct here. Somebody (laughs) found... Don't go away. Yes, it was Dan Bay's. Dan, uh, who is the historian from at Indiana, yep. mm-hmm. he found a website that I had visited before, but he passed it on to me, and I said, you know, this is really something that needs to be shared. So he's going to give us a call, I hope, later on, and give the address of this really great website. It's got... Radio shows information about individual performers. It will do a search. It's got a whole list of individual performers, uh, including Dennis Day, Jack Benny, um, Hal Perry, all of the performers we know. You click on it, click on their name, and the search engine returns a whole collection of shows that they were in. Wow. I mean, isn't this so cool? So I'm not going to give it away. That's... (laughs) Well, I, I mean, it stands to give away, and if uh-huh. he doesn't call in tonight, I I will do that. But I'm I want to give him the credit for this because he he passed it on to me, and you know, as I, as I say, I, I had visited it before, but I really spent some time, and it's it's um, after he sent me the link to it, and. Uh, it's a, it's a really fun site. So, Dan, pick up the phone and give us a call and talk with us about this wonderful site. Otherwise, I'm going to give away your secret and tell everybody where it is. So, there. How about that?
2: 545 2071 Patricia and Warren are back together like we always should be.
1: Yes, and who who went away last week?
2: I left Patricia behind.
1: Okay. All right. Uh, now we've got it straight. I did not play hooky. I was here. I was available.
2: Yes. She was standing by the phone waiting all night.
1: Nobody called. Nobody called. Don't worry about me. I'll be fine. Okay.
2: If I were to call, would you answer the phone? I certainly would have. Okay. Oh, of course I would have. So I think, even though you're reading. What? Reading time and everything else, you would still answer the phone? Oh,
1: of course. Of course. Actually, I had a very good time. <laughs> <laughs> I did. You know, I read and I watched one of my favorite television shows and, you know, just kind of cruised around and did some chores. And... I'm going to play hooky. See, I, I got fired last week, but one night I'm... Fired? Off- I wired. I I got put on unauthorized leave. Wired? <coughs> I got put on leave. I no, I just gave you vacation time. All right.
2: That's acceptable. Well let's see. How often have I let you not come out and play on Saturday night? You haven't been There's too time. much. Yeah. And
1: yeah. it was it was a convention too. Yep. Well you know, we gotta put a stop to these.
2: You 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 need to just, you need to just come with me. It'd be easier. That way I don't lose track of you. Oh, uh, that might. You know I you know it's getting to the point. In, these conventions I, are intruding on our. I know. Our, on our on our on our private time. I think yeah. I I think I think you just I think you just have to come with me. That way I don't lose track of you. Okay. You know. Okay. I think that's fair. That's good. Seven one four. Five four five two zero seven one. I had to donate to the Patricia Travel Fund. We would be welcome. I said, Please. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: gonna get
2: in such trouble. <laughs> Dad, send money to. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't ask for any money. Just donation. Like- <laughs> chocolate would be fine. <laughs> you know, we can always turn the chocolate into travel fund. Oh my
1: goodness, yes. You know, chocolate
2: acceptable.
1: Chocolate is.
2: Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh,
1: okay. I have a. I have a money saving thingy here.
2: Oh, good. This is how people can save their money.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think this is kind of good. And huh. maybe everybody knew this, but I didn't know it until a while ago. Excuse me.
2: <laughs> That's <laughs> when, Patricia. she, she's just out of practice after having one week. Yeah.
1: Old. You know. I mean, this is really. This is really bad. I know. I
2: know. <laughs> I don't
1: do this anymore.
2: I know. When you go to the store. Yes.
1: And you see a sign that says. Two for three dollars. Yeah. I too? I mean, if it's something that you want. Of course, want and, and
2: of, it's course. of course, yeah. Especially ice cream. We always go for the two for se- two ice cream for seven bucks. Two for seven bucks. Uh
1: huh. Well, um, it's only a bargain if you eat both. Well, ice cream is no problem. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Um, but if it's spinach or, or string beans, stuff like that, mm-hmm. stuff like that there. You don't have to buy the two items. If it's two for a particular price, you you don't have to buy the two. You can only buy one if if that's all you're gonna eat. But you
2: know, they generally directly charge more for one rather than two.
1: but if they're if they're listed as a sale item or even as a you know sometimes you walk past them and they say ten for a dollar. right. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh boy. <laughs> I'm sorry.
2: Well, that's okay. You, you want to take a little uh, break?
1: Okay. I'm sorry. There. Uh, you have to buy the ten. Per, you per, can buy
2: per, one if you want, and per, they'll charge you a dollar for it. Kermit is just having a good time over there. But, um, well, wait a minute. Wait. A minute. If it's ten for a dollar. uh So you think you think I could get bought one and of just ten cents? Right. You think so? Absolutely. Hmm. Well, it seems like ice cream, they always charge you more for one, so that's why they inc- encourage you well, for two.
1: Well, they they do, but if if something is listed as on sale, two for X number of dollars, yeah. unless there is a special store policy that you need to know about, mm-hmm. you don't have to buy the two. You can buy one. You don't have to buy four. If it's four for a dollar, you can buy one, and they'll charge you 25 cents. Ah.
2: Okay. I think that that is good to know.
1: You know, I used to wind up throwing some stuff out because I would say, okay, well, this is a really good price. And I would wind up, and if you throw stuff out, it's not a really good price, you Uh
2: -uh. know? Nope. Nope. You were just helping the store out, clearing their inventory.
1: Yeah. So I sent you some Kate Smith Christmas music.
2: Yep. You want me to go look for it? Yeah. All right. Okay. Let me turn the uh, computer up here and walk over here.
1: And there he goes. We lose Walden temporarily when he moves somewhere else. But I sent him, as long as we're doing Kate Smith tonight with God Bless America, and that was such a wonderful rendition that she did. She was really a remarkable lady. When she a was one page, of the few people call who call truly perfect pitch. It's not something that is common. We, we talk about it and people throw the term around, but it really does have special significance and she was one of the few people who His had pace. perfect pitch. It's
3: a natural Inbox. ability Inbox. To, to hit, hit any key perfectly. Kate seventh, so pitch for I a found a Christmas Rams. music by and Smith. Smith. She did unread. a medley of, of familiar unread. Christmas
0: songs and I thought Sonny it was really super. And I sent it attachment to Walden and asked if he
1: could play it tonight. It's about six and a half minutes and it's worth tonight, every bit of it, and I wish it were 12
4: and a half minutes. App, date, app, Are you up there, woman? Well, Are we app, ready? Just read yes, give me one one oh, Okay,
1: I can give one more one app more of piece of, of information here. And by the way, I
4: was app pretty close with 125 words app, date, a minute as an average app, speaking app, when they subject, app, said app, you know, the, the actual average recommendation is
1: 150 to 160 words a minute. That's a lot of words. We can say an awful lot
2: of words a minute. I'm ready. Okay. Should we play? Kate Smith, go!
8: Enter attachments. Let's Pick the holes
5: with vows of holly. fa la 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 la
4: Tis
5: the season to be jolly. fa la 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 la
2: That's right, everybody. Next Friday night, we will have two little beavers on with us. Frank Brzee and Tommy Cook will be live. We'll be celebrating Tommy Cook's birthday right there. Tommy will be turning 81. And here is a little bit of the stories that Tommy Cook will tell us next Friday night.
8: So let's just settle back and reminisce a bit. What do you say, huh?
7: With a nostalgic nod toward the Atwater Kent, we now present Same Time, Same Station, a chronicle of broadcasting's first absence. Return with us now to those thrilling days of yesteryear. Tonight, Tommy Cook remembers radio. Right
9: It all starts about 1939. Unbelievable. 33 years. Good old radio. I still feel it's the finest medium in show business. At least the nicest people that I ever worked with were in radio. The first show I ever did was a show for Arch Obler. I consider, and I think most people consider, the... Finest writer, producer, director in the history of radio. He became um, famous in the early 30s back in Chicago with the series Lights Out, a horror series. And then he came to California and Hollywood and started his procession of eloquent writings. And this was a series called um, Every Man's Theater. Obler had a a stock company which consisted of uh, Mercedes McCambridge playing most of the women roles. Hans Conried, Elliot Lewis, who then became a producer for Desilu Productions, uh, played the majority of the male roles with Byron Kane, who works with Stan Freeberg all the time, is one of the all time greats. Lou Merrill, who's now deceased. Uh, and Gordon Jenkins, the marvelous uh, musician, and uh, wrote uh, all the music for Obler. And I eventually played all the kid roles. I was about eight years old. And, uh, I guess I got the role because a couple of months prior to doing this show, they had an, a, an artist service at NBC headed by the late May Regan. And my mom saw an article in a magazine about free auditions at NBC, which was then at Hollywood and Vine. It's now the center of the Savings and Loan Association, <laughs> my old second home. Anyway, uh my ma cut out the uh the uh, inscription in the magazine and sent it in for an audition i made the audition and may regan remembered my voice as being very puerile and young and so she called me in for this audition for obler and i got it only because i think i had the youngest sounding voice so i do the show they've got a box for me to stand down because i'm so doggone small and um I remember my mother sitting up in the client's booth above the control room where the director and engineer were stationed, and with tears streaming down her eyes, and she knew I was confused, and she rushed out and she gave a couple of dollars to the page boy, the NBC page boy, to go and confide and tell me what a cue was, that when the director pointed his finger at you, it was time for you to talk. And so I was given those instructions, and boom, I went on the air, and and that was my first show the age of eight and a half for the great Arch O'Bler. He called me in again for another audition to play the part of a German refugee boy. And evidently uh, accents came easy to me and I put on some kind of German accent that I had heard and I got the role. And from then on, O'Bler started using me almost every week. He would somehow write in a small part for me. And then he was gonna go to Chicago to do a show starring a young fellow. He was actually going to do it with um, a very fine performer in Chicago by the name of Dickie Highland, a show called Problem Papa. And I previously appeared with Obler uh, on his shows, uh, one show in particular with the great Alan Nazimova, the Russian actress, and she had noticed me. And so she told Arch one day, she said, why do you go to Chicago to do that show? You got this little kid cook here. Why don't you take a chance on him? And so Obler did. And that was the first show I ever starred in for Arch Obler called Problem Papa. And the great Mercedes McCambridge played my mother and Howard Duff, God bless him, my old tennis pal, played my father and Gordon Jenkins, of course.
2: And happy birthday, Tommy Cook. we will be turning 81 on Tuesday and we'll have him live next Friday. Celebrate his birthday. We would have done it last night, but Tommy is busy today. Doing two shows for Peggy Weber. he's doing a Western Shakespeare play that runs 90 minutes twice, and you have to sing. So I figured, I figured I'd give Tommy a couple of days rest, and we'll talk next Friday.
1: And you're going to ask him for me?
2: Yes.
1: What are you going to ask him?
2: What kind of chocolate he likes? No, but your colors. What does he eat and drink?
1: What kind of vitamins does he, he take, takes. and what does he have for breakfast? <laughs> 81 <laughs> years old, and he's doing two 90-minute shows in one day.
2: And after get back from Seattle with me, and producing a, a, a TV special with me, and uh, we're going to have the phone lines open, that way people can talk to Tommy, too.
1: Oh, that'll be fun. Yeah,
2: so next Friday night, everybody, uh, Tommy Cook and Frank Fusey will be together.
1: Two little beavers on the same. Two
2: little beavers. Yeah. yeah. 714-545-2071 Hope you enjoyed the Kate Smith uh, sing She was a fixture in radio for, oh man, I think from 1931 to 1958 She had quite a run and on radio television. That's right
1: She had a television show as well She was a remarkable lady and yep. what a fabulous voice she had There are a couple, anybody who wants Christmas Christmas music. you got to answer a question. And Kate Smith, that particular medley, Kate Smith, is um, in that collection.
2: And it's too bad there's not that many of the Kate Smith radio shows around. No. Considering she discovered so many people. For example, I think it was the Aldrich family had almost a year run on the show. She was, she was the show that they broke into. Wow. Yeah. That and Abbott, Costello, and all
5: those good uh-huh. people.
1: You know, if there's interesting story to read about her professional life. She Uh was doing second-rate, come-behind-the-stars type uh, performances on stage.
2: Yep, in in Baltimore, Maryland, I think, or somewhere.
1: Yeah, some offbeat place. Mm -hmm. And what was so sad is that she was the butt of jokes for years. She had this magnificent talent. But she was the butt of jokes, and nobody took her seriously because she, is, she was such a large woman.
2: And she was a good athlete. She could, she could exercise and things, but she was one of those boys, not to burn the calories. She was very nimble at one time.
1: Very nimble. And you know, she, she was a large woman, as yeah. many uh, really powerful singers are. And um, she was discovered by, tell Ed, me Colin's first name.
2: Tad. Ted. Ted Collins,
1: was her manager. They mm-hmm. met. He said... I think, you, I, think
2: you, I think you got something there.
1: Yes, we're, and, and we're going to
2: um, do great things. Yep, we'll, and we'll produce, they
1: had a handshake agreement.
2: And they produced the uh, Colin kate company. I forget there was a certain name they called the company. Huh? And she never married. Okay. Uh, he was married. But they remain very good business partners. And uh, he drove her career, and a very good one. It was
1: a, it was a, a match. It was just a perfect marriage, non-marriage. They weren't married. They might as well have been because they were in such sync with each other. Yeah. But it was such a tragedy. It hurt my heart to read her early history about her beginnings on stage in. Second rate places.
2: You know, she made more money in World War II than anybody else.
1: I can believe that. Yeah,
2: she was the number one uh, uh, bond sales person that uh-huh. made more money than any other entertainer going to shows, and people came to see her perform.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder what there was about her in particular, what personality characteristics she had that appealed to to people on such a huge scale. She was personable. She was fun. hmm
2: Well, also, she had a song that people gravitated to. Maybe they wanted her to sing that song in person.
1: You're right. She had excellent taste in the music yep. she sang. Yep. Um, it, and of course, she was a marvelous singer. But she wasn't the only really fine singer in that time period. No. But people just loved her. I think, and this is really an I think, Part of it was that she she looked like an average American. Mm-hmm. She was not a star. She wasn't dressed up. She, you know, she wasn't trimmed. Um, when I say star, she I'm was not Hollywood.
2: She, she was not the pinup girl.
1: She was not a Hollywood beauty. She no. was. She looked like your next door neighbor. Mm-hmm. She was fun to be around, she had a delightful personality, and I think people relate to that.
2: Also, she was a very successful, radio her shows I think were one hour long, and people gravitate to that show.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard for a music-oriented show to stay fresh for an entire hour and hold an audience for an entire hour.
2: But she she, did. but you think about those types of shows, her show, Rudy Valley's show of the thirties, who were one hour long. They were variety shows. Mm-hmm. So even though people think of them as singers and things, they had sketches, they had uh, personality, they introduced stars mm-hmm. to make it interesting for the people for one hour.
1: Like Charlie McCarthy was not a one hour Charlie McCarthy show. Mm-hmm. They had an awful lot in between right. the uh, the Charlie McCarthy routines. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, she is one of my very favorite people and became a more favorite people when I read a little bit about her background and how she started in show business and where she wound up. She really was quite a remarkable lady. And she sang God Bless America. You said the Philadelphia Flyers were.
2: Uh-huh, the hockey team.
1: The hockey team, yeah, and she was part owner of that, was she not?
2: I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised.
1: I, I believe she was. I will have to go do some homework on that. I don't she,
2: write that down, anybody. I, I think she lived at in. Homework. I think she lived in White New York for a while. Uh huh. And she was so sweet that um we should probably get the there's still a Kate Smith fan club today.
0: Uh huh.
2: And Germans, who who is still part of that said that she used to invite the fan club member to come stay at her house. Oh my gosh. Yeah great Placid. And I think it's Richard Hayes. I think it's one of them. Uh, we can look. We can probably Google him up. He said he, he was able to record stories and things of Kate telling stories and just having the fans come over to stay at her house. That would be fun. Yeah.
1: See what I can do about tracking uh-huh. that down. That, that would be great fun. Right. She really was quite a remarkable lady and, and had such a humble beginning and never lost sight of... You know, the the real, real people, you know?
2: The people.
1: Yeah, people, people. The
2: people.
1: I do have a Walden Brain teaser tonight. I'm looking at a, a blank spot. However, uh-oh. somebody just rescued you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thank you so much for calling 714-545-2071. Hello there.
10: Yeah, it's Kurt. Hello, oh, Kurt. Kurt. How are you? Okay. Um... And, of course, Kate Smith was, I believe, involved with one of the big losses in radio, which was the Robert Block uh, scripts. Didn't she share her time with Robert Block and all of those, all of his uh, shows were, uh, all those stories were destroyed?
2: Well, I know, I know there's like only four to six of her shows around, and I would not be surprised.
10: Uh, that At least is one of the rumors that I heard yeah. somewhere that that that, uh, that here is this very sweet lady and of course you were talking about Psycho before and how much they paid for the for the novel yeah but and of course Robert Block although he and he was a great writer and um, talking about um, the shows that that they lost right uh, I was thinking about something this week and I was I was noticing. I was listening to a few different things. The Lone Ranger day when the town was renamed in Cheyenne, or Cheyenne, yeah, I think. Cheyenne,
2: Wyoming, in 1948.
10: Uh-huh. And I was noticing how, and I was listening to some of uh, Fibber McGee and Molly from 1954. I was, and I was listening, of course, to some of the World War II coverage and some of the with Roosevelt. And I could not help but notice uh, how much more. God was mentioned on radio back in the 50s. Um, I mean, uh, in, in 19, like in 1954 in the, in the, uh, Fibringy and Molly shows and they're talking about the March of Dimes and they're talking about, you know, uh, uh, hilarious giving and spiritual giving and stuff like that. Yeah. And how much more, and of course, the Lone Ranger was mm-hmm. very definitely, um, God-oriented, yep. and I i was thinking, you know, how much we have lost, because now, um, you know, somebody gathering up the, the ammunition when they do the salutes at funerals or whatever, yep. and, and they somebody was saying something about the peace of God be with you or whatever, and right. they said, you can't even say that anymore.
2: Well, they're classic to me, okay, so I'm just a history buff that people know. NBC. When we hit the beach in Normandy, NBC for 40 straight hours during June 6th that morning, I think around six on the hour, once an hour, had some member of the faith come and say a prayer for the nation. Yes. For 40 straight hours.
10: Yes. Yes, and I that's mean, that's amazing. Can you can you imagine? Well, of course, you heard about the flap with NBC recently mm-hmm. yeah. with the pledge and leaving yeah. out the in, under. Uh, one nation under God indivisible I mean I mean you know now that that I'm really noticing it how much more often I mean I knew that that of course after Madeline Murray O'Hare and all that business and and prayer in schools and all that kind of stuff but we were we were so much a country that was so much closer to the beam in those days Mm -hmm. in terms of of knowing what made our country great. And I think we have really, for political correctness, uh, and this is in the most, you know, in the worst way possible, that we have given up the high ground on this in order to not offend anybody. Mm -hmm. And I think it is one of the the things that, that we have done, which if America you know, goes under as a national power. It's going to be because, you know, um, except for the few and except for the people that, that know the core values, we have given up God as a, as, as being unnecessary.
2: I think, classic example, you look at, if you read the Founding Fathers' writings and things, and how much uh, the religious belief played a role in the. Politics and what they wrote about and things like that. They right. Were, were I mean, a
10: part. because of I think because of Jefferson and stuff. And although actually, even though I don't think Jefferson was a was a believer, but I really don't know. He, you know, espoused the belief that mm-hmm. you know that well, that. Um, well,
2: most people don't know that Jefferson actually supported Congress. Uh, to fund churches. He thought it was important enough to build churches, and they actually set aside government money for the first 20 to 30 years to do that.
10: Yeah, yeah. So, I, I just think that, and I said, I mean, really, like I said, in listening to the stuff, because, you know, um, I've been noticing a lot more, you know, since I've gotten actually more away from, from or, or, you know, more listening to religious. Programming and Mm -hmm. and uh, radio and stuff like that and then listening to the otr. It's just really uh, It's really something yeah Um, For those of you who may or may not be interested uh, with me uh, My next visit to the doctor will be on the 11th of July Mm. And then I see the transplant doctor at the end of the month, but unless things change uh, and and it, the change would be quite sudden. Uh, it's been six months since they put off the transplant, and they're going to have to do it. They're going to have to put it off, I guess, indefinitely because uh, they cannot get the, uh, the diarrhea cleared up. Mm. I'm still on medication, and I'm still having it even with the medication. Mm. And so the, the stem cells are waiting, and the stem cells are stored, but I can't do the transplant as long as, um, as long as I'm having the diarrhea. And wow. so, wow. and by the way, the uh, Radio Archives, did you notice yesterday, now has, um, I think, about 10 of the uh, Pip McGee and Molly collections available for uh, download.
2: Right, so you go to the website, uh, I think radioarchives.com, uh, you can go ahead and download. They're like a $19 piece.
10: a piece to download, and they're $29, I think, for what? the. Right. But the CDs, and it's interesting, because um, I, I, like I said, I've, you know, in listening to some of those commercials, um, and and the, those are very, they're very funny shows. I mean, they're 15 minutes, and but they're very. I mean, now they say, by the way, that that, or at least a source that I saw yesterday, mm-hmm. said that Fibber McGee and Molly went until 1959. But uh, do you know when? Because I think I know that they were part of what, maybe Radio Monitor, or yeah. at the end, or but because they, they weren't doing their own radio show, right? They would just do little sketches, maybe, or.
2: Patricia, you want to step in here?
10: Well, the 15-minute shows were very much the Fibber
1: McGee and Molly. They went to that in nineteen
10: fifty three, I think. 1953. In when the they 53, but when did they continue? Because. I know that they were a part of Monitor, mm-hmm. but I think that they were just doing little sketches. I don't think they were doing whole shows at that point, and I don't think anybody has those either.
2: We have 60 of them floating out there. Oh, um, are there? Yes. We uh, The 15-minute show ran from 53 to 56, and then they became Monitor, which was basically they did five three-minute segments on Saturday and five different ones on Sundays. And they did that all the way up to 1959. And NBC wanted to sign him to another three-year contract. And that's when they discovered Marion Jordan had cancer. And Jim Jordan realized he's, you know, he yeah. just was yeah. just not going to sign the contract.
1: Yeah. I think they were weary and, and just, just worn down and oh. tired. Because for the end, even of the regular 15-minute shows before they switched over to monitor, you could tell that there was not the spark that used to be there. Right, right. And, of course, Uh, having an audience made a difference as well. Walden and I have talked about this at different times, how much of a difference an audience made. Oh, of course. Because not having an audience dulled that show and having an audience that they inserted very late in the Lumman Abner series wrecked that show. I say wrecked it, uh, it. It really had a, uh, a bad effect on the Lum and Abner show. So one didn't do well without an audience, and the other one didn't do well with an audience. And I think part of it um, had to do with their backgrounds. Jim and Marion came from a vaudeville background, and Walden and I have talked about this at different times, that in vaudeville they depended on an audience reaction to know whether they were doing well or not. yes and
10: especially especially at least in the beginning you know when when jim jordan stopped his um alliteration um monologues or or that little alliteration thing he did every week right well it wasn't every week but it was it it was good but i mean it took i mean it really takes an audience to it to react to something like that there were just things that they did that that don't work as well without a reaction no. and so many of their um, so many of the routines that they did were like that
2: mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that uh, 1954 Mp3 tried, tried to move a lot of the shows to 15 minutes
10: yes uh, I was noticing in the commercials right that you have you have uh, Frank Sinatra and somebody else Bob, doing...
2: Hope, Bob Hope had a daily morning show 15 minutes uh, Bueller was a 15-minute show over CBS. The Great Gildersleeve went to a 15-minute format. Of course, Fern and Molly was her both in the daytime and at night time. One uh, Man Family had all these shows, but they knew what the ghost they moved it back to a half hours and uh, it was interesting how some shows they tried it and yet, then they move it back to the studio audience, but probably because of just just pointing out Million Health, they figured. It was too much for her to go back to an audience problem yeah,
10: yeah but those, those but the shows are still they're still funny and they're still you know um, oh yeah anyway um, I don't know if you ha- most of the questions that you asked that are outstanding I do not know so <laughs> um, c- because uh, I heard that you, I heard you tell give those earlier and I don't know the answer to any of those.
2: Okay. Patricia, got any new ones?
10: Any? What? What am I looking for here?
1: Any new
2: trivia questions? Radio
1: or trivia, just whatever. I mean, you know. Oh uh, yeah, I got.
2: Stuck. Okay. What Dennis Day's real name?
10: Oh no, that's not fair. Oh, actually, I. I no, I actually I don't know that
2: okay, one. Okay. Okay.
10: Okay. And by the way, I've been listening to the to the uh, the big shows.
2: Yeah.
10: And um, I mean, some of the. Some of the, of the humor is a bit strained in that show, but she was um, she was quite a lady.
2: You know what Tulua Banker's dad did?
10: He was a senator.
2: He was, and what position did he have in the government?
10: Uh, well, I didn't know he I didn't know that he had a position. Uh
2: huh. In the thirties.
10: Uh, uh, you mean like Secretary of State or,
2: or? Uh, bigger than that?
10: Like vice, no, he wouldn't be
2: vice no, president. No, he wasn't vice president, and, was, and he was not president. Speaker of the House? Yes, he was Speaker of the House.
10: When was that? Because I know Sam Rayburn was right, later.
2: Rayburn took it over in '39, and her Dad, passed, her dad had it up until his death in '38. Ah, okay. Yeah.
10: Yeah, that he. Um, but the, but the, um, some of the, uh, some of the Fred Allen stuff, and, um. In fact, I just listened to the Edward G. Robinson, um, and of course, a lot of the stuff that they did, like uh, uh, after dinner state. No, the, well, the, the Edward G. Robinson that I heard, mm-hmm. um, they did credit it to uh, to William Irish, but of course, they didn't. They kind of did the the punchline of the story, but you wouldn't necessarily know what the rest of the story was if you didn't happen to have heard the suspense. Uh, although that was a, an interesting one.
2: It was an interesting show because you, you know who the staff, the chief writer was of the show.
10: Uh, Goodman Ace, I think. That's
2: correct. You're good for you, Kurt.
10: And I was actually very surprised.
2: Yeah.
10: I'm. Um, I think I told you that I was an English major. Right. And I have a BA in English, and so I'm always very interested in who did the writing and who, you know, because especially if it's a name that I know from other places. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, things like that are so much of a surprise just because that's not where you would expect Goodman Ace to be. No. Even though he was very funny, and of course he was actually very funny even on NPR right. later.
4: Right, right.
10: But uh, anyway, uh, interesting interesting show is, is the big show. Are you ready? Yes.
1: You want a horse?
10: Oh, uh, well, I'll try, but I... I uh, How many horses are... I, I don't... How many people have ever offered you a horse? That's yes, right. I, you actually are the first.
1: I'm the first. Okay. How about Joker?
10: And you want to know who rode Joker, right? Or Who rode Joker, yes. Well, I really... I... I, I my my humorous answer, which is the only one I've got, would be like Sam Spade, but I really don't know.
1: <laughs> no, I'm sorry. These are all cowboys. I, I referenced it. Oh, that's good. <laughs> there is no. These are all all cowboy horses. Oh, okay. I, I'm sorry. I should have given that or cowgirl. Yes, yes. Annie Oakley, perhaps. No, but that's a great guess. I couldn't find Annie Oakley's horse.
10: I well, I, actually, I don't know whether you know. Annie. whether she was a rider. I, I mean, we think of her as, a, a, as a, a firearms person, but so, you know.
1: Yeah. Well, I found Annie Oakley, but I couldn't find her horse. I right. Neither could they, because it was on a site that gave the, the, the names of horses. Okay, let's see here. Let me see. Diablo.
10: Who rode Diablo. You mean like Hopalong Cassidy, or?
1: Yeah, well, yeah, but it wasn't. But it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't Hopalong Cassidy. Diablo is Spanish for devil.
10: Yes, I know. Um, I don't know. Spanish for devil. Yeah, I know, but it's, it's not clicking over. So
11: <laughs> Diablo.
10: Um, Spanish for devil. Let's go, kid.
1: Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. You took me out of my misery. I think the Cisco Kid and Pancho along along the way, I think those are the only Spanish cowboy characters we had in radio. Walden, is that true?
2: Uh, I'm thinking you're probably right because you gave, you gave Poncho a horse out earlier tonight and nobody answered that one yet.
10: Well, and the weird thing is, and I do not know what story but he was based on a character created by o henry correct uh-huh. but i don't know what i i in looking through and i have looked through not specifically to answer this question but i've looked through o henry and don't know what story they would have based that on
2: well, so wasn't o henry basically specialized a short story as a short story writer
10: right in, in short stories with twist endings yeah so
2: basically he probably wrote a whole bunch of short stories. So well, father, he did. Yeah.
10: He did, but he but he mostly wrote about and this is what this is a surprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mostly wrote about New Yorkers, and he wrote mostly wrote about you know, uh, of course you know the the ransom of Red Chief is a famous you know where they're they try to ransom the kid and and the kidnappers end up saying please take this guy back this kid back he's. He's killing us. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's kind of the, the I, I, twist ending on that one. So. I, I, remember,
2: <laughs> I remember in the 70s, Hyman Brown used to take old Henry's toys and dramatize him in the CBS Mystery Theater.
10: Well, yeah. They would have to add a lot to them because, yeah. like I said, they were pretty short. Yeah. But he does have a number of collections, and um, I'm going to have to make it my business now that, <laughs> that, that we've talked about this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to look through and see um, I'm going to have to read in text some O'Henry stories and see if I can find out, unless somebody happens to know, and maybe there's a place that knows this, what story, because, I mean... I wonder if
1: somebody has done our homework for us. You can I talk don't, for a minute and let me see if I can Google up and... Yeah,
10: yeah, because, because like I said, he o. Henry was the kind of journalist that had to keep... You know, writing on, um, deadlines, huh? on deadlines and on spec.
2: Well, now, was Oh, Henry, pretty much the same time as Mark Twain. Did he write pretty much in the 1800s? Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah.
10: Yes. Uh, they were both late 1800s, but but O. Henry specifically specialized in the twist ending story. And
2: I didn't realize this until Patricia pointed this out to me about months ago. That a lot of the, in many cases, a lot of the books were really not booked they were put out, spread out as uh installments in newspapers and magazines and things like that
10: right oh. originally there were a lot of there were a lot of serials at, well yeah um it kind of depended mm-hmm. most of that stuff was british there wasn't there wasn't as much american um mm-hmm. Well, I
2: guess you think about Dickens was a short story writer, right? Because all the Sherlock Holmes weren't appeared in that kind Well,
10: the, Well, no, that's Doyle and Yes. Yeah, I mean,
2: D- Doyle, D- I mean, yeah.
1: Um, Dickens was one who threw over the transom and, yes, wrote these enormous novels right. in, in pieces that were published in magazines and newspapers. Uh, Edgar Allan Poe did the same with uh, his writings.
10: Yes, and, in fact, Edgar Allan Poe except for one novel, which was called uh, The Narrative of A. Gordon Pym. Gordon Pym. Oh, that good or what? wrote all short
2: stories.
10: (laughs) Everything else he wrote was a short story. And um,
2: he only made to what, age 35, right?
10: um, He was very young. He was 40, I think. Okay. Um, he, He was young. Yeah. But I think, yeah, he, he, and that was too bad because apparently he died, um, trying to uh, trying to get extra do extra votes for, for liquor um, mm-hmm. during an election. But yeah see Dickens and the thing was I mean you know how everybody talks about Amos and Andy and, and how everything stopped mm-hmm. Well that's the way it was when Dick, when Dickens was writing for the serials because everybody was waiting for the newspapers to come out uh, for the, the next parts of these novels. And the people basically could not afford. And you know the the uh, and he you know uh, wanted to continue to write them as serials and wrote them up like you know up to the deadlines and so, stuff like that.
2: So with Shakespeare then was it all plays with any of his yeah. Okay, all plays, nothing yeah, he, as an installment.
10: Right. Okay. He, he was. There was there were very few people that were really good at both. Um, but they put out a lot. Um, now, Thackeray, who wrote Vanity Fair, which I actually don't know whether Vanity Fair was published, although I have a feeling it might have been published as a serial. And it was very long, and of course, somebody in the 80s tried to go back and redo that on the radio as, as a serial. And
2: um, I think Orson Welles did it as a straight... One hour. It's a one-hour thing,
10: but 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 remember, we're looking at a six or seven hundred-page book, Uh and you know, so many of the of these. I mean, it's like it's like NBC University Theater doing um, doing Moby Dick. You know, I mean, what what can you really do in an hour to uh, or doing Henry James, unless you're doing a Henry James short story, doing a Henry James novel that was 900 pages long in an hour. You know, you can kind of get people interested and, and say, well, gee, you know, if you like this, go back and, and check out the book, which the NBC University Theater actually did. They said, you know, we can't do justice to this novel, but if, you, if you're if you interested in what you've heard, you know, go back and read this novel. I can
1: send you a 30-minute version, radio show
10: version of Moby Dick. I've heard... I. I, mean, I have to laugh because, yes, I have heard You have heard it. Yes. and I listened
1: to Moby Dick, and I thought, something's missing here.
10: <laughs> yes, indeed. Indeed. Well, uh, yeah, uh, that's, really, that, anyway, that's really something.
1: Um, would you like O. Henry's The Caballero's Way?
10: Oh, okay.
1: The genesis of the Cisco Kid.
10: Really? That's
1: what it says.
10: Well, I will have to see if I can find that story. Um Gutenberg might even have it, I mean, unless it happens to be in one of his collections. But at least I know where to look.
1: Well, give that one a try, and if that doesn't turn out right, I'll go looking. Oh, I
10: people. think, I mean, that sounds, you know, that sounds like it very definitely, huh. you know, could could be it.
1: Like it might. Okay, are you going to send me on a mission again this week?
10: Because
1: um, I haven't even found your nightmare from
10: Peter Laurie. Oh, actually, I did find about three of them. Are oh, um, serious? Um. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I found them actually. Well, I'll tell you. Um, you don't have to tell me. Well, no. I mean, this is is kind of. There's a there's there's a. Uh, called there's a a guy called Rusk R U S C, Rusk. dot It's are you sitting comfortably is what the. But he has radio shows for download. Mm-hmm. And. For my money, you can't really download enough of them <laughs> necessarily, but but at least but I did find uh, about three nightmare shows on that. Um, actually, um, if if you can um, depending on what you have, if you can get some, some one man's family.
1: Oh, I do have that. That would be good. Oh, I'd love to send that to you. I do have um, a bundle of them. Yeah,
10: that would be that would be good. I, I would really uh, appreciate that.
1: Okay. Well, then he just made smile because that's one of his favorite shows. Uh
2: huh. Well, I, I love Carlton E. Morse writing because I think what's special about One Man Family is because it was character driven. Like you knew the oh, people. Oh, very
10: definitely. Yeah,
2: you knew the people.
10: Yes, and I think that that's that's one of the things that was that really made it. And I mean, and that's one of the things where he really stood out.
2: And it ain't just me, it was Carlton's. I mean, I had lunch with him in '85, Mm -hmm. and he told me his schedule, everybody, he would get up at 4 in the morning, write a script by 9 in the morning, go out, cast the show, direct the show, put put it together that night, and go to bed. He did that seven days a week for 18 straight years. Wow. I mean,. That, that's putting yourself on a schedule he
10: lived to be what 90,
2: 90
10: uh, 92 so I mean you know I gotta say that that as difficult as it probably was you know it probably kept him young
2: I in a lot of ways because he didn't it was like his family he he, he, he was pointing at he was an older he was an older son he was the he was the oldest of the, of the families and he lived on a on a you know, milking ranch in Oregon, and he was hunting. He was hunting his own a lot, so he was doing farm chores and creating characters and things that he head. He said when we both for radio, it was like having his family. Yeah,
10: yeah, that's um, that's quite a you know. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you guys. Uh, I, I heard a little bit of the stuff that went on last uh, Saturday, and okay. it was it was. Very interesting.
2: Yep, it was definitely different. It was definitely different.
10: And um, I'm glad you, you two are doing okay. We are. I wanted to tell you. Um, you were asking earlier about what you did as a kid for the Fourth of July. Yes. And um, of course, one of the things that my when brother and I used to do is we used to get we we used to get uh, caps and cap grenades. <laughs> And um, and we you know play with the uh, with the cap grenades.
1: What is a cap grenade?
10: It's a it's a it's a little plastic thing that you could buy for like three or four dollars. Huh? And you'd put well you were supposed to put one cap in it. One of those you know little pull the little uh, gunpowder cap off of the they used to come in in rolls and then they also came in like uh, like like sheets and you'd put one cap in the in the uh, cap grenade, and you twist it closed, and you'd drop it, and it would set the cap off. Ah, okay. So we used to do that, and of course, um, as a blind kid, of course, um, the um, fireworks were not all that exciting, but it is interesting that I did hold sparklers. I actually don't know why, but I did. Um, they have a good sound to them too. Well, yeah, some, but but they're, you know, I don't. Um, but but my dad used to set off um, fireworks, you know, safe and sane ones that you could buy, and um, I think he was was pretty good at it.
2: I would when wanted to actually stop allowing people to shoot off firecrackers, and we went to fireworks.
10: Well, what? we had firecrackers. Well, they had fire they had fireworks. The, he was setting them off in the early 60s, mm-hmm. was setting off the fireworks. And For
2: people who may or may not, supposed to be a safety factor. That's why right. we went to the fireworks.
10: Right. Well, the firecrackers were fine as long as – but see, the, what the problem with the firecrackers was that people had to go bigger and better, and so they would get the, they would get like M-80s and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And so then if you made a mistake with an M-80, you were much more likely to blow your hand off or, mm-hmm. or you know, put your eye out because you have something so that, which is so much more powerful than, than the firecracker, you know. And, but we actually, um, I think a couple of times when, um, I think we also went a, f- a few times to, um, to watch the displays. I remember mm-hmm. going to Anaheim Stadium one time And which actually was a lot more fun in the summer than it was in the winter, because in the winter we used to go on the they used to go on that cruise, and they would take me out on the on the cruise, and man, it was cold. So you know, I mean, it was nice to be on the boat ride, but it was very cold.
2: Oh, I have a trivia trivia question for both of you. Yes. This weekend, how many professional fireworks shows what they'll be in america
1: oh well they cut way back this year i
2: know but actually they they've been amazed that the fireworks uh, display has been increasing in the last several years and this one's still an uptick year that's be-
1: amazing because there are so many places that, for the first time, have banned them because of the fire hazard.
2: Right. All right,
1: so we're, we're looking for locations?
2: No, how many locations? different locations this weekend will we have professional fireworks displays in the country?
1: Professional? Well, probably. A
2: probably
1: thousand? More. No, it would be more than that. Fifty. I would say 50,000.
2: 14,000.
10: Well, that's... I know that um, that Marina Del Rey, as a city, has yeah. canceled their um, their fireworks mm-hmm. display because they couldn't afford they couldn't afford it.
2: Right, but I'm to because I said a lot of people, especially when cities have decided to ban it, they have had private donations for people to keep they'll keep it together in parts of the country.
10: That you know, actually, in a sense, you would think depending on how much, you know, you would think that that if if they knew that they were going to do it. That people, you know, would pay maybe a small amount to mm-hmm. go in and, and to watch the, uh, you know, to watch them do the, um, uh, the, the uh, fireworks. Yeah. So, well, listen, um, I'll keep you guys posted. And like, and like I said, uh, keep me in your prayers because, yeah. like I said, unless something startlingly new happens and I suddenly get well, um, we are not looking at the transplant in the foreseeable future, as of the end of this month. Ready to hear when I that? Go see the transplant doctor. So oh, sorry to hear so that. So I've been waiting. Like I said, well, I've been—I was diagnosed uh, about a year ago, uh, this week, and had my first chemo a year ago, which was not bad. But uh, they've been waiting to do the transplant since uh, of November, and um, so—and of course—and the other thing is, I really can't go anywhere most of the time so i'm lucky i can go a few places occasionally but you know it makes it difficult yeah. so it gives me much more time to listen to O.T. otr <laughs> so but keep up the good work and um let's see so you're doing your christmas in july is going to be every
2: Saturday in july we do we do something for christmas you bet
10: a whole month,
1: Kurt. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> he gets an extra month of Christmas every.
2: Actually, I'm blessed. That I get five. I get five Saturdays this year.
10: Yeah, we have five Saturdays. That's you know, uh, and I really have to say that that from the, uh, that my favorite time of the year really, except for the for the. Understand, you know, the reason for the season and all that kind of stuff is is so nice. And I think, and I, as a matter of fact, I just listened yesterday to that Henry Morgan, uh, that Christmas Every Day, you know, the show where the kids want Christmas every day.
4: I haven't heard that I one yet. I don't think I've
10: heard that one. Well, if if you if you download, and by the way, there's also a song for Patricia in one of the, it's either in the second or third uh, big show. Uh-huh. There's a song for Patricia. Ah. So you'll have to scan through, but if you go up to the internet and you look under Henry Morgan, it's in part one, it's in, it's the first couple, in, one of the first couple of shows was the Christmas everyday show.
2: Hey, there's a good, qu- qu- two of you questions for you, Kurt. You know One Man's Family? Yeah. You know what the name of the opening theme song is?
10: No. No, I don't.
2: It's Patricia.
10: Oh, okay. It, it
2: was named after Carlton E. Morris' wife. Wow.
10: Well, that's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm impressed. So, so go and look for that for those Henry Morgan and and check out the big show. Best place to get the big show probably if if you're just going to get the is to go to get the OTRR uh, collection. But it's in like the second or third uh, show. Okay. Well, I will I will take a peek. And I shall be listening and I will talk to you guys next week.
2: Jean-Claire. I'm really
1: happy you called. Thanks for calling, Kurt. And okay. And you, one man's family will be
10: yours. Okay, thank you so much. My pleasure. Bye.
2: bye bye Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. 545 This is Christmas in July, Christmas the 4th, and we are blessed to have you. Hello there. Hello there. Uh, Nolan, is that you?
8: Yeah, I'm trying to turn this radio off.
2: Oh, well, gosh, we've been having interesting people trying to turn the radio down all night. So that, join the family. And replay. Yeah. Nolan, it's, it's either too early for you to be up or too late for you to be going
1: to bed.
8: They, yes. <laughs> I really don't know how to answer that. I'm all upside all upside down this week.
1: Oh, uh, excuse me. Is there something special going on, or is it just you're upside down?
8: No, it's just my quirky sleeping habits. Aha! Uh-huh. Welcome. Solve me a problem. Um, you might want to tell Mr. Uh, let's see, uh, Mr. Baloo. Uh
2: uh-huh.
8: he, he needs a flux capacitor for his time machine. Okay. Well. That, that it, was the one that was in Back to the Future. Remember, he yeah. had to have the flux capacitor.
2: But if he's still stuck in Fort Philadelphia, how are you going to know what to look for?
8: If, if, if what?
2: If he's still stuck in 1776, you think they're going to have one of those? Well, I
1: think he's
8: you, know, you go down to Radio Shack. Uh-
1: <laughs> Ye old Radio
8: Shack. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. S-H-A-C-K-E. Uh-huh. That's right.
1: <laughs> Very good. Well, hi there. How are you doing?
8: I'm great. I've just been making some notes here. Well, and before I got completely lost, a 60-second commercial is approximately 30 words. I thought that might come into play when you're trying to guess
2: how many words are in a particular. So, in other words, if you're going to do a commercial, have a female read it, case she will get it more word put by the minute. Oh, don't. That's don't the thought.
1: You now, mm-hmm. now, it, a, a 60-second commercial with. 30 words. That's one word per two seconds. Hmm.
8: Well, in the pauses as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, you really do have to have them in there. Well, and you repeat. It's
8: a, it's a leisurely pace. I mean, you can do more, but what I
1: what I came up with, and I was looking for the average rate of speech, just having a conversation with somebody, and of course that varies dramatically. Some people you can't understand because they don't shut up <laughs> i mean
4: they just
1: i don't know some people can keep talking without taking a breath and i haven't figured out how they do that yet but and there are others who speak very slowly but the average was between 150 and 160 words a minute that's a lot of words
8: if you got around a person who you you and most other people don't like to hear talk hmm? find that they can breathe that way it's because they know they're boring you to death they're trying to come up with something you'll like.
1: That's, you know, that's a thought. They have to get it all in there before you tune them out.
8: Yeah, right, exactly. Interesting. Uh, let me see. Oh, were you looking for the uh, name of the horse in the television series for Annie Oakley?
1: No.
2: Oh,
8: okay.
1: <laughs> but I'd love to know it.
8: I thought you were talking about Annie Oakley
2: not, no, uh, earlier. Yes, yeah, she, she was. She just doesn't know the horse's name.
1: Well, I have, no, I asked for a, uh, the name of a horse, and someone said Annie Oakley, Oh, you're right, and I said, I, I found Annie Oakley, but I couldn't find the name of her horse, and I'm talking about the real Annie Oakley.
8: Oh, okay, I wouldn't know about would, But if that. you
1: me the television Annie Oakley, I will love you to pieces.
8: Uh, you want me to tell you that? Yeah. Okay, let's see, it's Target. And Gail and, Davis was the actress that played on TV, played Annie Oakley.
2: So now that's now a department, uh, a, a t- department store, huh?
8: What, well, Annie Oakley?
2: No, Target.
8: Oh, <laughs> yeah, the, okay. the old Target. That's yeah,
1: right. Okay. So, I, I just want to make sure that I get this correct. The television character Annie Oakley rode a horse named Target.
8: That's right. Hey,
1: uh-huh.
8: okay, thanks. Oh, I'm. Davis was the actress. She was sometimes seen on the Andy Griffith Show.
1: And who was it?
8: Uh, I don't know what the character's name she played. I, it just wasn't on there, you know, every week. But
2: Oh who was, who was the actress? I'm sorry, I, I miss.
8: Yes. That's easy to do when you're listening to me.
2: Her name is Gail Davis? Uh Uh-huh. Okay.
1: Gail Davis. Okay. Well, I can live with that. Well, this is great. Target for Annie Oakley on TV. When I went to the uh, horsey sites and the cowboy sites, they were still names of real cowboys, like William S. Hart and and people like that. And... her, the name of her horse was absent. There were a couple they did not have names for, and Annie Oakley, the real Annie Oakley, was one of them. A target for an Annie Oakley horse sounds really neat to me.
8: Yes, yes. One other thing, speaking of feminine, feminine names, uh-huh. did you get the name for uh, the, who wrote it, Matt. Let me rephrase that. The, the, who had Ruth as a uh, horse?
1: Named Ruth. No, nobody got it.
8: Was, was that Matt Dillon?
1: No, you're darn close.
8: Was it Frontier Sissy?
1: <laughs> no, it wasn't Frontier Sissy.
8: Okay. I...
1: It was a Gunsmoke character. You're in the right territory. Oh, is that right? Uh huh.
8: Okay. Well, Festus had a, had a mule, I believe.
1: Well, it, according to the list, what he rode was named Ruth.
8: Well, I don't know why you could name the mule Ruth. I don't know what I was thinking. Uh,. So it was Festus or Chester?
1: That's, that's what my uh, information source said, and it looked like a, a pretty good site. But I mean, can you imagine naming something Ruth?
8: No, no, not I owe Ruth.
1: Well, of course, you know, Festus was not exactly your most traditional character either, so.
8: No, that's what made it so good, I guess.
1: It made him so wonderful, yeah. So let me let me ask you this. All right, I've got a good one for you. We're into horses.
8: Uh-huh, horsing around.
1: We're horsing around. This is good. That was very good. All right. We've got a single Western character who did radio and television, and he rode two different horses. Named One was named Calico and one was named Eddie. Who rode those horses?
8: Uh, Cisco Kid? No. <laughs> he, he had two horses. One was Diablo, and I've forgotten what the other one was.
1: He had- Sarah, I think. What was the second horse?
8: Sarah. Sarah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, it wasn't Sarah. Okay. Calico and Eddie.
8: Hmm.
1: I'll tell you the answer. I'm not going to hold this one. This one's too good.
8: Can't can't come up with that one.
1: Gabby Hayes.
8: Oh, okay.
1: I would never have guessed Gabby Hayes riding a horse named Calico and a horse named Eddie. I mean, they're very nice horse names. I just didn't know... He had any horses with names.
8: Speaking of um, Roy Rogers and Gabby Hayes, uh, Turner Classic Movies is doing singing cowboys every Friday night in July. No kidding. Last night they played four Roy Rogers in a row. Very good. And the quality of these prints is just excellent. I would advise anybody that wants to collect them to record those.
1: You were right in your heaven on that one. Yes, I was. Who else is coming up?
8: Besides? Uh, a bunch of them. Rex Allen and, uh, let's see, uh, uh, Johnny Mac Brown and Tex Ritter. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And then there's one that kind of intrigues me. It says uh, Cowboy Canteen or something like that, Western Canteen. Uh uh-huh. it, it says various. So I'm assuming that there's going to be a big uh, stage show with various singing cowboys on it. But I may be wrong. I'm just guessing what that might be.
1: All right. Well, let me let me let me do this right here. It's, it's mm-hmm. at eight, eight
8: o'clock on Friday night. Turner Classic Movies.
1: All right. I've got I've got a horse for you. Okay. I'm going to ask it backwards. I've been asking the horse's name and the cowboy. I'm going to give you the cowboy, and I want the horse's name.
8: Okay, I'll try.
1: Enough? Johnny Mac Brown. What did he ride? What was the name of his horse?
8: Oh. Gosh, I wasn't a Johnny Mac Brown fan, and I, I really don't know.
1: Uh, I'm doing this to you because you mentioned Johnny Mac Brown, and I think you were the one who said, You don't know who Johnny Mac Brown is?
8: Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm... <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I didn't, <laughs> and I still don't. <laughs> but Not me there. He's a very famous cowboy because he was on my famous cowboy
2: list. I was just wondering, though, know, when do you think the last singing cowboy movie was? Oh.
8: Uh, Rex Island was the last one.
2: So that would be about up to the late the fish. When you think, when did it ha- stop?
8: As a matter of fact, I concluded that in a note to somebody the other day. Hmm. That the, the serials ended about the same time as the golden age of radio. Oh,
2: wow. Okay.
8: Both, both affected by television. The Saturday mornings became, you know, you had yeah. King of the Rocket Men and
2: yeah.
8: the Lone Ranger and, and uh, just four or five good shows that just uh, squeezed out the Saturday morning matinee.
1: Huh.
8: Which is a shame.
1: It really is. Uh, It it really is. Uh, There's such a simplicity about those cereals and about all of the entertainment from that era that kids will never have an opportunity to taste. It's just...
8: Incidentally, in your packet, on the way to you with the postage paid, (laughs) is uh, a documentary on the early cereals.
1: Oh, neat.
8: And And then another one on the Republic picture story. Oh. One, one is, uh, that one's almost two hours, and the other one is about fifty-five minutes. Wow. You'll know everything you want to know by the time you watch those.
1: I'm going to be such an expert on stuff. You keep me so informed with these goodies. I, I mean, this is great stuff that you send.
8: Good. I'm what glad is, you like it.
1: You notice I put some extra three-cent stamps on the on the envelope.
8: Yeah, they're they're just pristine.
1: Yeah, well, the, you know, they're pristine than the other ones. But I put the three-cent stamps there, so uh, because the postage went up for second ounces.
8: You uh, didn't want to draw attention. <clears throat>
1: exactly, and I wanted to make sure people understood that I huh. knew that I had to put extra three-cent stamps on there.
2: Okay. So I did. Fair enough. So that is that, that going to be your alibi when you, when you guys go to court? I really knew the law. That's why I put the extra stamps on.
1: Yeah. Uh, so I still think my idea of telling people that we're recycling an envelope and being good citizens, and they just happen to have stamps on them. Yeah, that's a work. Saving. That'll work? That'll work. Did you say we're fading? Saving paper. Oh, I know. We're, we're being good citizens by recycling. Sure. I mean, and this is bubble stuff, so, you know, that's that's extra credit in the environment to uh, recycle bubble stuff.
8: Sure.
1: I think we're doing a good job.
8: Excellent, excellent job. We should get an award.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think we are. Walton and I were talking last night, and we realized how how much the post office is subsidizing Yesterday USA.
8: Well, it should. They, you
1: know, uh, we, we can't get the any
8: other revenue other than donations. So.
1: Yeah, that's it, it's really true. And um, Kurt well,
8: Walton and uh, Frank Bracy get a little check every once in a while, but. <laughs> Yeah, I know. The rest of us work pretty hard for hours.
1: It's, um, they top a lot
8: of royalties. You're right. You're right. Well, you reminded we, me of an old corny we, joke. Do you know the, the difference between uh, playing post office and playing, uh, oh, what's the, uh, <laughs> I'm going to mess this up. Uh,
2: <laughs> playing post oh, playing office and, p- and spin the p- bottle?
8: Pony Express and playing... Post office.
2: I have the no.
1: Between eye- Pony Express <laughs> and Post Office,
8: I'm playing, not playing Post Office, the game Post Office, or the game Pony Express.
1: I'm not going to touch that with a fork. <laughs>
8: the Pony Express, is a little more horsing around. Oh,
1: no kidding! Oh, good. I like that one. Uh, ha, ha, ha. This is good. <laughs> I was very good, Nolan.
8: <laughs> Thank you. That's from the fourth grade, I think.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, I missed it. You know, I mean. Um, I, I had an unusual education. <laughs> so
2: we weren't allowed to say things like that.
8: Yeah,
2: yeah, I guess that was... Well, well I think during the birthday, Press they didn't they deliver the mail on about like, a six-day route or something?
1: Oh, it's just a remarkable cross-country thing.
2: hmm
1: And they had stations all along the way, and they just changed horses and kept going, and they relayed it. Oh, gosh. So, no, I don't Those know, are what real you, heroes. Coast to coast, Nolan, how long did it take Pony Express?
8: Uh, let's see. I used to meet, meet the horse in Dalton, Georgia. <laughs> and you could get it down to Atlanta in uh, less than a day. Uh-huh. But uh, that's all I remember.
1: Now, and I don't know how, how many horses it would take to get the mail across the country. All right, somebody's got to do that for homework. I'm, I'm off the homework route.
8: Well, somebody listening will probably already know that.
1: Yeah, well.
8: That's such smart people.
1: Okay, you keep talking. I'll go look. (laughs) (laughs) See if I care. Okay, tell me about celebrating Fourth of July when you were a kid, or when, as an adult, whatever you did that twirled urban.
8: Very little. Uh, We depended on my father to recognize the holiday. We might as well forget it because he would be going out with his buddies Jim Beam and
4: Mm -hmm.
8: Uh Walker and those guys.
2: Right.
8: And uh, so I don't remember much about Fourth of July holiday.
2: What about Fourth of July for a radio station? Did you guys have special commercials or special stunts you might pull?
8: Uh, Yes, uh, AFN particularly. Mm -hmm. You know, you can imagine. Yeah. uh, What that would be like, and did some original things and some. uh, The, uh, oh, the the Stan Freeburg Fourth of July, uh, United States of America, right? Some of those, Mm -hmm. much much like you would do here on this station. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, it was, uh, yeah, it would be observed more than Memorial Day or Labor Day, probably, Mm -hmm. from a programming standpoint.
2: Did you guys ever cover a parade on radio?
8: No, I can't think of anything duller. you know, Unless we were in the parade, maybe. I but, guess so. uh, paint drying on the radio would be about as exciting. <laughs> well, here comes another float. Boy, that's a beautiful isn't it? Yeah, look at that. <laughs> at home, we're really missing something.
1: All righty. Waiting for the whiskers to grow here. <laughs> um, the service, Pony Express, the service officially opened on April 3rd, 1860. When riders left simultaneously from St. Joseph, Missouri, and Sacramento, California, the first westbound trip from St. Joe to Sacramento was nine days and 23 hours. The eastbound from California to St. Joe was 11 days and 12 hours.
2: Hmm. How about that? Well, probably because they had to had the win against them.
8: California? Yeah, or that's downhill, too. Yeah, yeah, probably well, right.
2: California just dragged its hoofs. <laughs> Okay, it
1: says eventually the Pony Express had more than 100 stations, 80 riders, and between 400 and 500 horses. Wow. Now here's something that just blew me away. How long did the Pony Express service last? What was, what was the life of the Pony Express?
2: I would say. Well, we, we had a train by 1869, you know, the Continental Train, so I'm thinking yeah. three be. years, five years, it would be my guess, three years maybe, Patricia. Very
8: good, yes.
1: You, you think, you said you're going along with uh, with uh, Walden on that? I'll say
8: uh, five and
2: Walden says eight.
1: Mm-hmm. Nineteen months. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? Well, I think
2: probably because your romp got a little sore.
1: No, it's oh. when the completion of the Pacific Telegraph line ended the need for rapid... Uh, they could just send everything by telegraph. They
2: could. Oh, the telegraph, okay.
1: Yeah. Isn't that amazing? I thought the Pony Express, I would have guessed up to ten years.
8: I, did. I would, too. Now that I think about it, I was copying it off of Walden's page there.
2: Yeah, you know, you're thinking logically here.
1: 1860 through October 24th, 1861.
8: Plus they could sort the mail uh, as well on the on the railroad.
2: Yeah. In the car. Then I'm wondering, I wonder back in the 1700s, how long did it take somebody letter to leave, you know, you know, one of the 13 colonies to go down? It probably took months. Hmm.
8: I don't think so. Would it, was it well organized?
2: I don't know. Uh, that's why I'm wondering if it was, was it that organized. I don't know.
1: I don't know. I could walk from from Philadelphia to Virginia in less than three months. I mean, that's.
2: And, and and deliver mail?
1: Well, I don't know about delivering mail. Oh, okay. You know, when you when you're talking about traveling distance and it would go by horse from station to station, it would take three months. In the winter time, though, it would be weather dependent, wouldn't it?
2: Mhm. Hmm. That's when the 13 colonies.
8: Well, that's Christmas in July. Yeah, true. Better mail them in July to get them there by Christmas.
2: <laughs> that's when you mail your Christmas cards.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, Walden, you've got your homework cut out for you. You have to find out how long it took mail and commune. You know, it really wasn't that bad, though, because when they, they sent information to the Continental Congresses. Yeah. They, I, you know, there, there was really a rapid transit.
2: But some, sometimes they remember their personal, their personal people that they would send um, personal messengers that would, they would huh? carry a letter or something.
1: That's right. They had to be kind of rich to be able to do that.
2: Well, I think the military would have done that. Like, Washington would have sent somebody with, with a letter.
1: Huh?
8: Sure, they would have the and it
1: didn't take very long at
8: all. It was a lot of turnover because they shot the messenger.
2: Yes.
1: <laughs>
2: yes. I by where the expression came from. I bet it did. Yeah,
1: yeah. When, when Cornwallis surrendered, it was cool, but not on the British side. Mm. The one who delivered that message on the British side got shot. It was over. It was all over and done with. Okay, I have I have a television horse for you. Okay. Chuck Connors, the Rifleman. Oh.
8: You know, I worked every night while that show was on. I never saw it.
1: Oh, well, all right. Well, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do that. Um, who rode Joker?
8: Um, my, uh, Alan Lane.
1: Oh, who's Alan Lane?
8: Alan Rocky Lane.
1: Oh dear me.
8: Anybody that doesn't know Johnny Mac oh, Brown?
1: Lane. Oh, I know him. I know him. Yeah. No, that wasn't his horse.
8: I don't know. That I don't know. That was the best guess I have.
1: All right. Well, I've I've got Rocky Lane on here uh, on my list as well. Um, no, Joker did not belong to Rocky Lane.
8: Somebody out there knows Fred, or somebody, they'll call.
1: Everybody knows Joker. <laughs> except you.
8: That's right. I thought it was a Batman character.
1: Oh, Nolan. I'm gonna mark. I'm gonna knock that one off the list, and I'm just gonna mark it in red. I think you
2: guess, I think Patricia didn't catch that. I think you're right. They were Batman. Mm-hmm.
8: Hey, what? Batman's <laughs> <laughs> Fateful Horse.
2: <laughs>
1: Fateful Horse Joker. <laughs> oh, got it. Oh, gee. Oh, you know, Bucky Beaver and Little Beaver. I'm still living that one down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was very good. Joker was Andy Devine or Jingles. It was Jingles. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. Well, oh, all right, Andy I'm Devine
8: gonna... was a regular on the Jack Benny Show. Hey, what? Andy Devine was a regular on the Jack Benny show.
1: Was and and what did Jack Benny call him? He had a nickname for him.
8: Oh, it wasn't Jingles.
1: No, it wasn't Jingles. Don't oh, know. When he said hello, he addressed him by a title. I should say a title.
8: Andy said hello, Bud, didn't he, or something like that, Ella.
2: Buck. Yeah, Buck. Buck, Buck. Buck, yeah, Buck. Benny Rice again. Rice again, yeah. Yeah. Um, No, I'm, uh,
8: got me there again.
1: Oh, boy, I'm doing really well. I have to put that one on my trivia list. He called him mayor because he was the honorary mayor of, was it Sacramento?
2: I think it was Encino.
1: Encino. It was Encino. You're absolutely right. He Mm -hmm. was the honorary mayor right up until he died of Encino. And Jack always referred to him as mayor. He, Andy Devine would walk in, and he'd say, "Hiya, Buck," and Jack would say, "Hi to the mayor."
8: You know that that is a character voice that he does, and he does he didn't talk that way all the time.
1: Yeah, he did. He had um, he had an injury when he was a kid.
8: I know, but he exaggerates it on the radio. Yeah. If, if you've ever heard him in an interview or something, it, it comes back—it settles down pretty well. I mean, it's a little higher pitch than you'd think it should yeah, be.
1: Yeah, and it, it's kind of raspy.
8: Uh, Exactly. But uh, it's not as bad as the character, especially when he gets excited.
1: He did make a living out of that one.
8: He He, did very
1: well with that. Well, what have you got on your list? You said you've got some goodies on your list. You were making notes.
8: uh, No, I I spent them all. I was talking (laughs) earlier about things that were on the list. Uh, And let's see if I have anything else outstanding I've done so well so far. (laughs) Uh, No, that's all I had. I had Matt Dillon and and Hilkley, and uh, the, talking about the big show. Uh-huh. Uh huh. To me, that's very kind of hard to listen to. I don't. I think that that must have been very popular in its day, but it's so dated now.
1: Well, you know, Walton talked to, had, had a couple of times as the last ditch effort to hold on to radio and hold on to the position. It was an hour long show. Ninety
2: minutes. It was ninety. Ninety minutes. Nine, basically, what they were trying to do, uh, eight. If you look at the books, the time where they ran that show, they were trying to go against Jack Benny, I think Amos and Andy, and another famous comedy show. And there was there it was, was third ditch effort NBC to try to hold that audience. Uh-huh. So they try to stack their personalities and everything and try to really knock out the Jack Benny show. Yeah. And it just failed.
1: I've listened to quite a few of them and I like them, but because they're so long you can mm,
8: that's, that's right. That's part
1: of, mm-hmm. part of the problem. They're, they're like ultra-sweet chocolate cake, I guess. Mm-hmm. You can't eat the whole thing. You have to spread it out. Well, you might have to spread it out. I don't have to spread <laughs> it out. That was a bad analogy to use. So, do I have anything to put in your envelope when it arrives here?
8: Uh, let me tell you how much I'm enjoying Bonitor.
1: Oh, you like before. it?
8: What I do, and uh, I'm probably not unique in this, but I have a little two-watt radio station in a closet, and I have a player in there, uh-huh. and I plug something like that in on a weekday or weekend when I'm doing honeydews and around the house,
4: mm-hmm.
8: and, and, and have a transistor radio with me, and I can listen and work any room in the house, and I've got Yesterday USA on it. Did I, is everything okay? Can you hear me?
2: You bet. That's pretty nice. <laughs> yeah, I said how
1: cool. But I I guess I got lost in there. So the Monitor is making you smile. For anybody out there listening, I've got Monitor shows as well. So I'm glad you're enjoying them. What else did I send?
8: Very much so. I'd almost forgotten how good they were. We did a a show in Europe called Weekend World, which was our version of Monitor. And uh, they actually would use some of those features from Monitor that were sent over This is where a little dated. You have to remember this is before satellites.
2: Sure. I think Frank Percy even sent special features to that. They were asking him to go interview somebody in Hollywood and he would do special interviews just for Weekend World.
8: Very good, yeah. I wondered how Frank got that gig of doing the announcing on the Lux Radio Theater version, the Army's version of Lux.
2: Oh, that that one? Yeah. Uh, Well, Frank had access to the master recordings. And I think he just picked the idea to L.A. and gave his blessing, and then somehow he had a hand on the soundtrack, you know, that oh. theme. And then then he would go ahead and have uh, John Milton Kennedy do a whole fresh opening for him, the original announcer of works, and then he would go ahead and write that and produce that himself. So that's how he got a hold of that. Very good. Yeah. Frank, it's amazing how what for an for a guy who creates and thinks of entrepreneur ways, he, he did okay. He made a lot of different, interesting uh, discoveries. He did even did five-minute going days of radio shows, five-minute comedy hour shows. Uh-huh. Most people don't know that Frank owned a, a radio station that played comedy 24 hours a day. Really? Yeah. So he, he tried a lot of different formats.
8: He owned Santa Catalina, didn't he? Yeah,
2: he owned that. At age 19, can you imagine owning a radio station at age 19 on some island? No, no,
8: no. I was still stuttering on the radio. <laughs> Leadership yeah. or ownership was not in my future. But
2: <laughs> but said he, it, was a, it was a great way to actually go out for a date because, you know, he was, he was 19, uh, Callie was on the beach. And he saw some good-looking gal on the beach that day. He invited her to come in to read to liner notes on his rec- on his Dick Jockey show. So it was a way for him to act go out. So I guess he went ahead and bought a radio station. Little stage. rascal. Yeah, you know to do that. How <laughs> about <laughs>
1: that? Was that it's like fishing bait. <laughs> uh, I went to, except he wasn't fishing in the water. Uh, he was fishing in the sand.
5: Yeah. And he I have a female
2: perspective on this, guys. And, and, and he would call it the mermaid. You know, he, he would name these girls mermaids. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh.
4: Uh
2: huh. I don't think. I had a
8: friend that convinced uh, girls that an uh, engineer with a first class license could perform a marriage,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
8: and uh, they would be married for the weekend.
1: Uh huh. The honeymoon bed was. <laughs> 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 Oh well, all right. We can. That's really interesting. Oh, that rascal! I didn't know that.
8: And if you ever don't tell yeah. him I said this, but if you have lunch with him, you'll notice that if he gets a check, he pays it in cash. Oh. And leave a lot of trails.
1: Happy uh-huh. trails. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Nobody's going to find him. Uh
8: huh. Just the income on pass out alone is probably enough to.
2: That's right, and that's
8: over my needs.
2: Well, you know, Frank, you know how many boy game francs have sold? Uh,
8: over a million, I think. In fact, it says on
2: the box. Yeah, Patricia, have any idea how many boy game francs have sold for right. the audience? This means to pass out the new web, dating games to creative adults. Okay, well, I,
1: I was going to ask you how how many of uh, were you asking me In total. It,
2: Total number of board games. Uh,
1: but, you're, but you're talking about sales volume as opposed to the number of board games he invented.
2: The number. Uh, I'm just talking about sales volume. Sales yeah.
1: volume. All all put together.
2: Uh-huh. <laughs> Ten and million. Guess, and yes, yeah, six, six million. Oh. That's that's pretty impressive. Yeah. That is. And you know he got at least a penny a a, a game or so, huh? Oh,
8: he got more than that. Huh?
2: I would say so. He owns it all. Yeah, I know. Yeah.
8: Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, wow. Well. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy. No. This is good. Yeah. He's, he's just smart. He's just a very smart
2: man. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, who else would buy a radio station only I could go out on a date? That's pretty pretty good at age
8: 19. It is, yeah. And, and then you it to get dates.
2: <laughs> Matter of
1: priorities here.
8: Yeah. The only thing I can Well,
1: I mean, it was a handy vehicle. Yeah.
8: What? I'm sorry, what... It was
1: a handy vehicle for finding dates.
8: Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Yes.
1: Very creative. You radio guys, I'm telling you...
8: What, what can I tell you?
1: <laughs> I don't know.
8: Nobody ever looks like their voice. Just remember that.
1: Yeah. Well, that's... It. You know what? You do.
8: Where did you see me?
1: Well, you sent uh, a whole file of information when we were going to, uh, before we did an interview with you on the air, and before you put together a whole bunch of stuff for us, I think it was for Christmas.
8: Oh, that's right. Okay. You
1: sent a whole package, and I, I saw pictures of you over the years, and I thought, you know, you're the first person I can recall who looked like you were supposed to look.
8: <laughs> well, I hope it's.
1: A compliment. Was, I mean, it was a good guy. That's a terrible thing to just drop <laughs>
8: on. You kind of left it out there. Like it, it was kind of with a voice good. like that, it ought to look better than he does.
1: It, it was good. I mean, you know, I've, I've got this image in my head, and everybody has an image uh, based on a voice, but it it was, it, you matched my image, and it was a very good image. I mean, I, it was huh. complimentary, and you matched it.
8: Well, how about that? Yeah, I appreciate it that. especially a fellow at my age. I probably didn't have a current picture in
0: there, but <laughs>
8: this whole whole that I mean, images you got to be
0: fine. Uh, well, it was good. I know
2: who would pay you? Would that be money out of you guys' pockets when people would ask for a picture from a dick jockey? Did the radio station ever give you all expense money for that, or would I strictly assume that you guys would have to send out your own, Tell me. own um, pictures?
8: The only thing... I have pictures to send out. I was going to say, no, they, they would pay for it. But they, I'm thinking in terms of what I had. It was mm-hmm. a, a poster, I remember, for a show I did called Two in Review, where mm-hmm. we played two brand-new albums, played selections from it. And that went in record stores around, the, and it, it was a picture. But uh, I never reached the, that plateau of autographs and pictures. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though Miami was a, one of the biggest markets in Florida... It still wasn't that popular. I think back in the uh, 50s and 60s, uh, disc jockeys were personalities more so, and, and yeah. we gave them out. Yeah. To answer your question, I would think the station would pay for them.
2: But station, you, you have any idea how many how many letters you might have got in a week in the mail?
8: No. Uh,
2: he got the hot ones though. I know, but no, you, it, you, it is. you think I, you? You think, it'd be, you think it'd be around five to ten letters, maybe? If, would that be a good week? You think, or what would be? be? Yeah,
8: that would be. A, that probably would be a good week. Uh-huh. It, it, you weren't covered up with mail. Telephone calls were easier. Yeah. And we did take them. We take the calls. Uh, if, if, you know, when you got a record on.
2: Right. huh
8: But it's, uh, I keep talking like I was in the uh, Stone Age. But the guys today that have the computer screens in front of them, they can punch a button and. and Go away for four or five. Uh, well, I sort of say four or five minutes. They go away thirty minutes if they need to,
4: mm-hmm.
8: and it'll, it'll all play itself. Yeah. We we were chained there with those two and a half minute songs, and then those 45s, you know, that were. <laughs> when they first came out, the record companies thought that radio stations wouldn't play them if they were over two and a half minutes. Somebody got that started, and then uh, and that all came. Crashing down when El Paso in 1960 runs four and a half minutes, maybe 440.
2: It seemed longer.
8: And it, it uh, got in the top ten, yeah. maybe even the number one. And that, you then they realized that they could, uh, instead of doing one commercial between the records, they do two and gain time that way. Uh,
2: so, were you guys ever allowed to go here and just stick in an LP? I guess say this, the LP hour, and then that way you could go do your thing?
8: Maybe on the overnight they would do that. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, we called the Marty Robbins record, our relief record. With <laughs> that on it, and you could go wash uh-huh. your car, you know.
1: Uh-huh. Indeed. That was the, the blessed one.
8: seems like an eternity on radio.
2: It is. Well, I, now, how often then... I remember there in the, around 1976, there was a, a great trucking song called The White Night. I forget the guy who's saying it, it was, you know, it was basically a guy doing car lingo, you know, truck driver's lingo. Uh-huh. And there were two versions, one that the public could buy, which was shorter, and one that the disc jockey had, which was a longer version. With You're that, not
8: talking about
2: Convoy, are you? Uh, I know Convoy with that one, but also The White Knight was another one that did the same thing, but I think Convoy also had it too. 76, what, uh, um, there, was that common to have two different versions of the same song—one that only given to Dick and one that be released to the public?
8: Yes, uh, many times, uh, particularly if it was uh, needed to be shortened for time.
2: Mm-hmm.
8: Uh, the, the one you'd buy would be longer. Mm. The—I um, I can't think of any offhand. Uh, uh-huh. The uh, oh, Big John, remember that song? Yeah. They had—they had an alternate ending on that song, which. They had a radio ending and, a, and an ending that you could buy, which uh, at the bottom of this pit lies a good, uh, how did he say, lies a, yeah, uh, oh, right. a, a great, great man, right like that. Right, And then on the one you bought, it, the, at the bottom of this mine lies a hell of a man. Right. Big John. Right.
2: <clears throat> Big John.
8: Um,
1: I got Walden's White Knight in front of me. Oh, you do? Yes. Down 75 or 85 or I-20 to other way. Turn your squelch to the right, and in the night, you'll hear some good buddies say, Breaker, breaker, got a picture taker. <laughs> All smokies at 43. <laughs> That's
2: the one? That's the one.
8: I bet that was a West Coast
2: hit. It must have been. It would just play... on forever. It played forever and ever and ever. And a guy would do it 18 million miles per hour.
1: Uh-huh. This thing, it's easily... Now, uh, this is standard print on the internet, mm-hmm. an internet page, and it's written in verse form. So that's one page, two page, three page, four page, it's four pages long. <laughs> that's a lot of singing, man.
2: <laughs> it, 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 was, it was done in the Phil Harris style. The guy didn't sing it. He would just read it out like that. Ah,
1: okay. Well, that makes a whole lot of sense. Uh-huh. For, You mentioned Marty Robbins earlier, and I want to make sure people know that Marty Robbins had, I think he probably had the longest songs in traditional music history. El Paso? El Paso went for at least six minutes. And he had had a couple of others that were very long.
2: He had a great career. If you think about the songs he had, Pink Coat and White Carnation was a great hit for him. Singing the Blues... What did he do in his, in his off time? That's a good trivia question.
8: Marty Robbins? Yes. Racing yes, stock cars.
2: That's right. He was a stock car racer.
1: Ah, uh, okay.
2: Yeah.
8: He would time it to get through the last race because he had to be on the Grand Ole Opry. And he would run at that track in Nashville. And if he was the slightest bit off, he would miss his introduction. <laughs> and uh, go flying in and take care of that.
1: Well, you talk about cutting edge, huh?
8: What's the shortest record to get in the top 40?
1: Shortest record in the Mm. top 40. Mm. Oh, gosh, and I even knew this. Uh, It was one minute and... Oh, it was a goofy one, too, wasn't
8: it? It was a one-word title.
1: I don't know. I cannot remember.
8: It was called Stay by Maurice Williams and the Charms.
1: Mm. That one was shorty?
8: Shortest record, huh? Okay. About a minute, about a minute forty. You, you yeah. can always bail out with that and get in trouble if you miss time the hour and you're about to go in the network news.
2: Yeah.
8: grab a stay and you, you can time out. What,
2: what, 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 is, what yeah. would the what would the real thumb you just get faded out? With that normal rule of thumb, you, you you would get fade the song out in order to meet the top hey, of the you, hour.
8: You wouldn't want to do that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but talk about your telephone calls you'd uh-huh. get in. But normally you do, We would, it was called back timing, and you would start an instrumental. At, say this instrumental was two and a half minutes long. You start the instrumental at two and a half minutes before the top of the hour.
4: Uh-huh.
8: But but you don't put it on the air until the other song ends, and then you fade it up. Got and it. It would you know, fill out the hour. Uh-huh. That was one of the tricks. It's called starting it in the mud, which you didn't hear.
2: So you had two turntables, and you might have had two pots, right, in order to do oh, that?
8: Yeah. Got it. But there's a good question for Patricia. No, it isn't. Why are the, <laughs> the volume controls called POTS? As is-
1: oh, you know, oh, you know, you guys are – I just read this the other day. I don't remember.
8: You did hear it the other day, though?
1: Did, I read it somewhere. I was looking at radio sites and and communications and broadcast sites, and I came across it, and I can't remember. Tell me, tell me, tell me.
8: It's short for, uh, uh, well, did you know?
1: I do not.
8: It's uh, short for potentiometer.
1: Huh. Yeah, that's the ticket. Our volume control. That's
8: the ticket. Uh, of course. Yeah. Uh, well, see, see, what, they what happens now. when
1: I hang around those kinds of sites? I, my head gets cluttered, and I haven't gone vacuuming out some of the extraneous stuff, so I couldn't recall that one immediately.
8: Just a little more trivia, a little more. Yeah. Nothing to add to your.
1: Yeah, that's a good one. I have. What do I have? I've got something. Grand old Opry. Do you like Grand old Opry?
8: Oh uh, yes.
1: I have some Grand old Opry that I just found.
8: The old ones are really fun.
1: I'll, I don't know how old they are, um, and I don't have them in front of me, and I can't read them off. But. Um,
2: well, you have any red? Red Foley was the host, so those yeah. would be the old um, ones.
1: I, I wouldn't know that unless I actually listened to these, and I I don't recall having seen anything like Maybelle Carter or any anyone like that, so they're a little bit more modern. But what I have, when your envelope arrives, it will have Grand Ole Opry in the return.
8: Very good. Yeah. Who is Red Foley's son-in-law?
2: Son-in-law. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, That's are still married.
8: What?
2: He he and his and his wife are still married after all these years.
8: There you go. Because mm-hmm. he drank a lot of milk.
2: That's true. <laughs> and he wears white shoes, right? That's
1: it. Oh, no kidding. Pat Boone. Yes.
2: Yeah.
1: All right. Right yeah. Everybody knows white shoes. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Well, Nolan, are you going to do the captain for us this month for Christmas? Or are you going to wait until Christmas, Christmas? Do the what? Um, Thurman <laughs> and the Captain.
8: Sent you a package, did you say?
1: No, 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 Sermon. Are you? Would you? Are oh. you doing a sermon for us this month, or are you waiting until Christmas for us?
8: I, either way, Christmas would probably. <laughs> well, I'm trying to make more time for myself. I'm terrible with deadlines, but.
1: Well, that's okay. Uh, Christmas, Christmas would be great. I just don't want to miss an opportunity to hear it.
8: Uh. Okay, if, if I get it sooner, uh, I'll, uh, we can do it for this month, but...
1: Well, that's okay, we'll put you on the Christmas Christmas list.
8: Definitely, Christmas Christmas. Christmas Christmas. Excuse me, sir. That'll be fun, and I think I talked about getting the producer to come on with you.
1: Yes, yes, so Christmas Christmas will be good.
8: You're just not allowed to ask him personal questions about what kind of soldier I was.
1: <laughs> oh, no, listen, now, all right. <laughs> In the, in the true spirit of journalism, uh, yeah. did you ever allow anyone to dictate what would be included in an interview?
8: Uh, I did with you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
8: No, I, I, I made some suggestions or you told me. You, oh, you know that, that uh, those questions showed up about two weeks ago on my computer? Remember how we were trying to send them? Yes. An email, and I, my computer was so fouled up, yes. I couldn't read attachments. That thing surfaced.
1: Are you serious?
8: Yeah, part of it got here.
1: Well, you know, I I have asked this at different times. What would happen if every communication, electronic communication, that got lost in cyberspace downloaded at the same time around the world? Oh. It would shut everything down.
8: Disaster.
1: I mean, think about it. Wouldn't it make a great science fiction dealie?
8: Yeah, it would.
1: You know, that, everything, things that were a story. everything that was lost in cyberspace was being held by aliens, and they let them loose at the same time and shut us down internationally. Nobody could communicate with anyone. What a great
8: story. They're doing that in Orlando right now. There's some people <laughs> protesting that What? There, there was a group that uh, would want to feed the homeless every weekend, and you are limited to a permit. Perform anything in the park Uh one one time a month, and some group is protesting that and they're shutting down websites all around the city.
0: Whoa! With
8: with previous warning too that you know they'll when it's going to be the chamber of commerce or so that sort of stuff goes on. You do it on a grand scale, it could be a mess. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I'm not even talking about hackers. I'm, I'm you know just something that cuts loose. Us, uh, some time or another has said, gee, I never got it. Would you resend it?
8: Yeah, right. That, I was doing that all day with you. Yeah. That's Again. Good. That's
1: that, right. Resend it. Resend it. Now, if every one of the communications that didn't arrive the first time that had to be resent all of a sudden showed up in everybody's computers huh. on the destination, wouldn't that be fun?
8: The emails in your computer, to me, that were it's amazing how many are, are in there.
1: Uh-huh.
8: They did go through properly. I mean, to go back and look at things you didn't delete. Yep. It's a, a pile of communications, even just as an individual.
1: Very full-tummy.
8: You were talking about uh, interviews and where they changed. We used to get these interviews with the uh, cue sheet and the uh, star answering the questions on a record.
1: Uh-huh.
8: And it would simulate that you that you had that person in the studio. Right. Well, what we, we would frequently do is change the question.
1: <laughs> Oh, see. But the answer had to say
8: the same. <laughs> exactly.
1: Oh, my gosh.
8: And that was usually for off uh, air. Yes. Or just horsing, horsing around again. Uh-huh. It was funny how you could do that. And you could say, uh, well, do you ever have a drink? Oh, about three times a day I enjoy going out. Da, 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 da. Sure. But, but if you back up and just change the question, it can, it's hilarious.
1: And if it's personal, if you were just doing it as uh, an off-air, intimate circle, having fun with each other, boy, you could really come up with some honeys. (laughs) You're right. You did, didn't you?
8: You are right. (laughs) We had a, I think I told you, an outtake reel on Thurman and the Captain that just grew and grew and grew. (laughs) We would play it at parties. Did well, guys, I'm going to let you go and let somebody with more to say come in here.
1: Well, it's always fun talking with you, and uh, I'm glad the envelope is safe.
8: Yes, we'll just keep keep you informed <laughs> and uh, look forward soon. Our, our what is, by the way, what is the uh, the documentary about broadcasters? The, is Towers or something? Or, uh, it talks about Sarnoff. and?
2: Oh, great. Well, um... PBS. Yeah, the PBS with uh, Kim Burns. That is uh, Empire of the Air.
8: Very good. That's right. Yeah. That's, that's one I think that you would enjoy.
2: Super.
1: Sounds great. Yeah.
8: Next cycle we can get that. If you haven't seen that one, that one is uh, very good. You can imagine Burns doing it, mm-hmm. how good it would be.
1: Yeah. Very uh, excellent. Well, I do thank you, sir.
8: You're quite welcome. I thank you. And. Uh, Are
1: you going to bed or getting up right now?
8: I, what time is it in the Eastern
1: Zone? It's three o'clock.
8: Oh, I'd probably get a nap and then <laughs> coffee about five.
1: And give us a call later,
8: okay? <laughs> I, I will if I if I'm awake, but otherwise we will talk to you next time.
1: Okay, put the coffee on first. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, and you guys. have a great
2: night. Bye bye. Bye bye. Seven one four. Five four five two zero seven one. I think Patricia and I are getting the hang of this again.
1: Yeah, we're we're getting into the into the swing
2: here. Uh huh. This is good. We get, we are we, rusty without being together. After one whole week. Hello there, you're on the air. Good morning, it's Dan. Good morning, Dan.
1: How are you? I gave your announcement, not not the announcement, a preliminary. If you didn't hear it.
11: I heard that. I heard it teased earlier, and then you had some calls, and I came back out of uh, slumberland and thought I'd give you a call here and just... Bless your heart. Well, that's all right. Nothing wrong with that. So All right. um, Do your thing. Do my thing. That website I found was... Let me find it again here. Oh, gosh, I had it here just a minute ago. Do you have it there? It was... um, I believe it's Rick
1: Danger. Let me just confirm this. Here. Abbott, I should have been prepared. I should have known you were going to call.
11: Well, I have... Here it is. I've got it right here. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought I had you right here. Abbott, yeah,
1: hold on. One second.
11: It was Mick Radio or something or other like that?
1: Hold on. Don't go
3: away.
11: I got into other emails while I was waiting to get on, so here we are. All right. It is right here. It is uh, radio mickdanger. All
1: right. Now that is radio mick, M-I-C-K
11: Yes. Danger.
1: D a n g e r. dot It has got more goodies on that site than you could spend a lifetime with. You're going to run out of life before you run out of things to do up there.
11: And uh, the fellow who has created that site is compiling more, and I guess he's indexing. So you can go in and, like, if you're looking for something for Bob Hope, you can click on that link, and it will take you to, you know, all those uh, Bob Hope shows, I guess. Uh Uh-huh.
1: It really is uh, an amazing site. He's really done a wonderful job on
11: it. Mhm, that's true. And, uh, you found it online. I was looking for uh, a, a couple of Vincent Price uh, Saint shows, and that's how I found it.
1: You've you done good.
11: Well, I try. I really do try. So
1: it's fun that he has. Uh, he has put it up that the down. It, it's a downloadable site. So the shows that you find that you like up there, you can download. There are some sites, there aren't very many of them, but there are some sites that will only allow you to listen. It's a media stream, but these, he put them up there and you can download them. So it's really good. So how are you doing?
11: I'm doing pretty well. It's been an interesting week, getting ready for a reenactment uh, on next uh, Saturday. Oh, you and, uh, left. Yeah, we're getting ready for two armies to invade the town, so or at least one army to invade the town, one army to defend the town, so, you know, we have, we have a lot of great reenactors who, that's our hobby to come through, and they uh, go and put on these recreated battles throughout the country, and uh, we're, I think we've got about 125 reenactors at this point pre-registered to come into town and put on the battles, some will... They'll come in, they'll be Confederates, and some will come in, they'll be Union forces. We've got hay, and we've got wood for the encampments. We've got hay for the horses, straw. Uh, We'll have cavalry in in for the uh, battle, and we have vendors selling uh, items, you know, from that time period. We we had one fellow last year, drove in from Houston, Texas, as a vendor to sell things here.
1: My goodness what do the vendors typically offer
11: they have um, you know different camp camping goods that you know would have been typical at that point clothing um, you know and then there's some that sell you know little trinkets buttons you know things like that mm-hmm. necklaces um, you know just it's a whole industry I, I was amazed and never would have thought that you know certain these items would you know people could make a living but like any other, you know, interest, you know, there are experts out there, you know, but just like old time radio.
1: It sounds like they're all dealing in Civil War uh, items. Mm-hmm. Yes? Very true. Yes, that's
4: oh, we
11: we'll have.
1: When you're preparing for this kind of a presentation, I mean, this mm-hmm. is a, a, an enormous undertaking to have two armies and reenact a, an actual battle, and they're in uh, period garb. Mm-hmm. Or from the staging standpoint, what is the most difficult part? Or the, the most, uh, you know, you said hay for horses, and I thought, my gosh, I never would have thought of that. Of course, I'm not accustomed to staging. What is the most difficult thing to prepare for, or the most most time-consuming in, in any terms?
11: Well, we actually do feed the reenactors who come to put on, you know, the battle. Because um, we... We're very appreciative of what they do. So next Saturday we'll have a chicken meal here for them, and then next Sunday morning we'll feed them breakfast. So you know, you know the old adage, you know, an army, you know, you know, you know, you have to feed an army, you know, to, you know. Me
1: travels on it. Going,
11: yeah, yeah. I forget the exact quote, but you know, it's, you know, you have to have all this food for them, and, you know, we have to prepare, and that's why we like them to pre-register so we know how many people are coming,
4: Yeah.
11: and, um, you know, and then, and you know, that's just the humans, and you have to think, okay, you've got horses out there, and horses have to be fed, and, uh, you know, water is another issue, you know, for, um, you know, both the humans and the animals, so, you know, we have to haul in water um, through Culligan, and, you know, it's a it's a big, big factor. And then, you know, they'll want firewood to build, you know, fires around the camp campsite. So, you know, we have to, you know, get vendors to bring all that in,
1: yeah.
4: you
11: know, for the area. So, I mean, we've, we're spending uh, in the neighborhood of $10,000 to, uh, you know, put this on.
1: How many people come to watch it?
11: We have a pretty good turnout. We, uh, of course, we try to keep count of like how many cars come. Mm -hmm. And I think last year we had, of course, we have two different um, days. We'll have the um, battle on Saturday and then again on Sunday afternoon. I believe you did a head count, I'd say we have probably near 500 people over the two days.
1: That's a fair number of people.
11: Mm-hmm. It is. So, you know, uh, a lot of times, you know, we'll try to keep count of what's going on, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, we're basically looking at, you know, my committee and, and the people, you know, in the town to help us out. You're looking at about a dozen people who are, you know, putting this on, so... Not very wish many, I wish we had more people, but, you know...
1: <laughs> There's not a lot of people for a project this
11: size. Yeah, it is. It is. We've got some good, we've got some very good people who, you know, help us out.
1: Yeah.
4: So. But it's a,
11: it's a labor of love, like most things. Yeah. And the one thing, Corden, we have to, we, we can claim that, you know, we are, you know, an actual uh, Civil War battle, you know, site. Mhm. Uh-huh. So, you know, there are other towns who do it, but, you know, they just, uh, you know, don't really have any connection to the Civil War. Yeah.
1: We had the southernmost conflict in the Civil War in my town.
11: Oh, really? No, and you're in?
1: Fort Myers, Florida. Fort
11: Myers, uh-huh, yeah.
1: It wasn't a big one, but it was the southernmost, and so we got a claim to fame. For quite a few years, we had reenactments. They were certainly not on the scale that you're talking about, but I have not seen or heard about any for several years, which is, which is kind of sad because— you know, you lose an opportunity to actually be part of history as opposed to sitting down and trying to imagine it when you read it in a book.
11: Mm-hmm. I believe we've had an annual reenactment every year since 19. I believe it was 77.
1: My goodness.
11: So, you know, it's been...
1: You're serious about
11: this. Yeah, we've been we're quite, pretty uh, serious about that, so...
1: Goodness. Would you give your website address for people to find information about this and spell Corden because it's got such an unusual spelling?
11: Sure. Uh, Corden is spelled C-O-R-Y-D-O-N.
1: And your website?
11: Yeah, let me double
1: check oh, on that. Oh, looking. I'm sorry. I thought you were waiting.
11: <laughs> well, I, I have it pulled up here, and I just wanted to make sure. Okay. It's uh, cordonbattlepark.com
1: cordonbattlepark.com yes c-o-r-y-d-o-n battlepark.com
11: yes and we also have a facebook page if uh, people will search uh, battle of cordon reenactment uh, there's the entire schedule posted on facebook and also on the battle uh, the battle Park dot com website too how cool and the cordon Park site cordonbattlepark.com when you uh, hook up with that site, you better duck because you'll hear a cannon blast.
1: Oh, you got sound effects there.
11: <laughs> and uh, if you come to the to the reenactment, you will probably hear actual cannons blasting off, and you'll hear car alarms going off in the uh, distance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's quite. It, it's quite uh, eye opening when you hear. You know, cannons, you know, blasting off, and you can feel the, the, the shock waves rolling up the valley where we have that. We have the uh, battle, uh, the reenactment near a creek, and you can just feel the, the sound waves rolling up the valley there.
1: Wow. So. That's, that's really exciting. Gunpowder. Where uh, do you get gunpowder for, for things like this?
11: Oh, yes, yes. We, uh,
1: where do you get it? We,
11: Well, we've debated in the past about, you know, buying gunpowder and, you know, like, you know, rationing out to the reenactors. But we, you know, just have them provide their own gunpowder because we feel feel they're more of an expert at gunpowder than we are.
1: Yeah, well, that makes a whole lot of sense.
11: Yes, uh, yes. Because they do this, you know.
1: I'm not going to go out looking on the internet because everybody knows when you look for stuff on the internet. I'm not going to look for gunpowder, but
6: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Homeland Security knocking on my door. But it's no. it, it just never occurred to me that you're going to have to buy gun. Somebody's going to have to buy gunpowder for a, re- a reenactment on the scale. hmm Yes.
11: Oh. They they, they uh, we, we had that same discussion. It's like you know. We could do it, but you know, we just you know would rather them take care of that issue.
1: Sure, it's it's not it's not yours. Do they wind up being reimbursed for any of these expenses?
11: Basically, uh, if they pre-register, they can come to the reenactment for free. Now, for we we do give bounties for you know the the first uh, people who uh, pre-register. You know that who have cannons, and you know we also uh, give money out to the first uh, cavalry people who register.
4: Mm-hmm.
11: We want that. We want at least a core base of uh, reenactors. You know, you want so many cannons, you want so many horses, right. or um, you know, you have to have a certain amount of people to do this. Mm-hmm. And then we, that's why we give out these bounties.
1: Okay. How
11: about people to come.
1: How about, now, you've, how many horses do you wind up with, usually?
11: I believe we n- normally get between, you know, uh, in the neighborhood of 30, I believe.
1: That's a lot of horses. Do you have a vet on standby?
11: We, there's usually people who are part of the reenactment who are vets. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, we, I, we do have a vet on standby who uh, makes sure. And I'm not that, you know, educated on you know horses, but there's some kind of medical condition that's going around in horse uh, populations now, and we um, make sure that they are, have been inoculated for. I'm trying to remember exactly what it is, but it's really rampant in the West. Wow. We we do have a vet that comes in, makes sure that the horses have been you know cared for and uh-huh. up on their inoculations and everything. Super. Yeah. You heard about that tornado at Churchill Downs, I guess. Oh,
1: I didn't know about that.
11: Yeah, it was like uh, last week um, on Wednesday. Um, tornado at Churchill Downs um, hit uh, nine barns.
1: Oh, my word, no, that got past me. I did not know that.
11: Yeah, it started over here in our county. It started about five miles from where uh, I live and went and touched down. It was the first tornado that had struck Churchill Downs, I think, since 1927,
1: I believe. That's a long time. Were all of the horses okay?
11: Yeah, none of the horses, nobody was really injured, but uh, it uh, really, you know, took, you know, Damaged nine barns and took uh, several roofs off. And, uh, you know, they they were able to jump in, and that happened on a Wednesday, and they closed the track on Thursday, and they had it open again on Friday. They have quite an operation there.
1: Apparently. My goodness. Yeah. So, well, I, are you in the market for a question?
11: Well, I guess I could. You know, I, I can try my best. You know, we're
1: into I, I, horses tonight.
11: Yes, how about that?
1: Um, are you in the market for a horsey question?
11: Sure, why not? We can try.
1: Okay, who rode loco?
11: Who rode loco?
1: Yeah, horses. Well,
11: and we're talking about radio. Radio? Horses. One, okay.
1: Radio. Hmm. This one actually it went to television as well. It, it was a radio show and a television show, so it covered both bases.
11: Hmm. I'm just going to take a stab. Was it
1: Taladin? Nope. Not Taladin. Nope. Okay. okay. So think, think of the word loco.
11: Loco, yes.
1: The word loco.
11: Word loco, okay.
1: Meaning the word.
11: Yes, yes.
1: What is the origin of loco? Well? When, when, um, I, I should, I didn't phrase that correctly. Nationality. Yeah, nationality. Spanish? yeah.
11: Okay, so...
1: so who rode Loco? Uh,
11: Cisco Kid, maybe?
1: Cisco Kid, maybe not.
11: Maybe not. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Cisco
1: Kid, pretty close.
11: Uh, gosh, I'm trying to think of what else. Um, hmm. Cisco Kid, pretty close.
2: Yeah, who was who close to Cisco Kid?
11: Oh, um... Don Carey? No, no, no. Cisco! No. Cisco! What? Oh, Cisco! Yeah, I'm trying to remember what his sidekick's name was. I, I...
0: Oh, Cisco.
11: Yes, what was that? Uh, hmm.
2: You can do it. I just know
1: yeah, you.
11: Yeah, pa... <laughs> yeah. You know, Patricia... I'm really trying to think. Patricia
2: got the, uh, the senioria down pat on that show already.
11: I have faith. I'm truly, I, I'm trying to think of, uh, you know, the old black-and-white Disney version. Um, oh, heavens.
1: <laughs> Isn't that <funny? laughs> Oh, that is so frustrating when that happens.
11: I'm really trying to think here. Um, I'm, I'm trying... And, you know, on television, I think that actor was uh, quite a character actor, too. Kind of heavy set guy. hmm Uh-huh.
4: Yeah.
11: Right. And I'm even trying to remember who he was. I'm thinking... John Banner, but that wasn't him. Um, Let's see, trying to think here. I and it was a Disney deal. Uh, I mean, the show was on was a Disney creation back in the 50s.
1: Harry Lang played him on radio.
11: Who now?
1: Harry Lang. Played him on radio.
11: Okay.
2: That's not a help, huh? And then when Henry Wayne got sick, yeah, Mel Blank took over the part.
11: Really? I mm-hmm. didn't know that. Yeah. I could see him doing it, but I just can't. I didn't know that offhand. See.
1: This is on radio we're talking
2: about, not see? TV. See, sigh, show.
11: Yeah, yeah, the routine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, I'm, I'm going
1: um, to take you out of your misery. I'll go to another horse, okay? <laughs> <laughs> <This poor guy. laughs> I mean, this this was really painful. I, I just made you <laughs> sit with that. Okay, who rode um, thunder? Who rode thunder?
11: Hmm. Thunder, thunder, thunder. Oh, gosh.
1: Hmm. I'm trying to
11: think of a thunder.
1: You know, it's really hard when you ask the horses first.
11: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's
1: the cowboys, you can pretty much come up with the horses. But this is really hard. I'm asking you to
11: do hard stuff. And usually in my brain, I can, like, dig, dig through the clutter and get to, you know, like, the answer eventually if I've ever heard it. But, no. like, at 3 a.m., it's like, I can't even, you know, get through the clutter in my brain. Um, thunder, gosh. <sighs> Would that be Tonto's horse? Nope. Okay. I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to think horse names and... Come on, Thunder! I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Even I wouldn't recognize that one.
2: <laughs> uh, that's how you opened the show with. With uh, with the cash face you used at the opening of the show.
1: Well, I don't...
2: Come on, know. Thunder!
1: Well, that's only if you listen to the show. <laughs> 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 I have heard many of the shows. I didn't remember that that's the way the show opened. Oh. I haven't listened to them for in a while. Sure.
2: Okay. And, and then, and then you heard the whistle in the background.
11: The whistle? whistle in the mm-hmm. background. Mhm. Hmm. Oh. Okay. What? Mm-hmm. What? Could you give me the years of the show?
2: 1942
11: to at least 49. Hmm. So really, throughout
1: the 40s. This is Thunder you're talking about, right?
11: Right. Okay. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. No, that's not doing anything either.
1: Who rode Tony the Wonder Horse?
11: Oh, he's a wonder
1: horse. Hmm. Boy, I'm really getting you
11: awful tonight. You poor guy. I just never really got into horse shows or the westerns. or I didn't pay attention to that.
1: Well, then oh. I should go oh. to an unhorsy question.
11: That's right. That's All right, the...
1: well, I can do that. Hmm? Hold on. Right.
11: Um, I, I, w- I lived on a farm. We had cattle, but we didn't use horses. We just ran after them.
1: <laughs> ran after the cows that's funny All right. Edgar this one was, was put out before and somebody didn't answer Edgar Bergen's daughter was sometimes referred to as Charlie McCarthy's
11: sister what was his yes. name Edgar Bergen's daughter with uh-huh. Candace Bergen very good see yes. you can do it you can do it I, I, I'm just not very apt on horses there, you know, it's like... Gosh, I didn't
1: know that. I wouldn't I wouldn't have done that to you if I had known that you were not a horsey person. <laughs>
11: Cisco Kid, was that Poncho?
1: Yes! yes. There he is! <laughs> right there! Please <laughs>
11: Poncho? <laughs> oh, that, yes, it was Poncho. Isn't
2: it amazing how the brain works? If you leave it alone, stuff will pop up.
11: Well, have... you know, it's, it's just a matter of, you know the time to, you know, uh-huh. it's like, okay. <laughs> you're right about that. Things just, you think about them, things yeah. will pop up like that. So. No
1: matter how hard you squeeze, they're not going to pop until you're not paying attention.
11: That's, right. That's okay. right.
1: All right. So that means, of course, that I can dig into my storehouse here and send you <laughs> something. What would you like?
11: You know, you had mentioned earlier that you had monitor shows. I, I'd kind of be interested in some of those. Monitor shows would be my pleasure. They really are great shows. I, um, I've always, I haven't really listened to any in the past, but I've read about them. And um, were they... Now, at one point, wasn't the monitor shows, like, didn't they run the entire weekend? Like, maybe toward the end of their run?
1: It was actually very early in their run. They ran for the entire weekend and they cut back from there.
11: Okay. I wasn't sure about that. And Gene Rayburn was one of the announcers.
1: Oh gosh, they had everybody. They had Gene Rayburn and
2: uh, Clifton Fatiman
1: and Hmm? Morgan and who else did they have? Don
2: Don Imus. Uh Dave Dave Garraway. Right,
1: I said Dave Garraway.
2: Yeah. They had Clifton Fadiman with the host. That's right. Uh Joe, Joe um, Oh yeah. Huh?
1: He was there uh, several times, Joe Giorgiola? Ye- yep. He, he did it several times, and it was kind of surprising. I think, um, Ed McMahon did
2: one. Yeah, Jim Ed McMahon we did. did it was on for 20 years. It mm-hmm. first started out at 40 hours a weekend. Wow. And eventually, it did till in 1975, it cut back, you know, to, I think, 16 hours a weekend or something. But, uh... Mm-hmm. And they did special features, they did uh, the news, they did the record show. Mm -hmm.
11: Um, Uh, And and I'm trying to remember the fellow's name who, the creator of Muncher was also the creator of the Today and the Tonight Show. Correct, his name was uh, Pat Weaver. Who is Sigourney Weaver's father.
2: Correct. And he lived in 96 and he worked on the Fred Allen radio show back in the 30s.
11: Wow.
2: And he was the uh, creator because he wanted something to hold people's interest on the weekends. Mm-hmm. And that's what he came up with the concept in 55.
11: At that time, did they rerun content throughout the weekend or, or was it all fresh content? It was
2: all fresh. It was one and done.
11: Wow. They that's...
2: had it come up with 40 different hours. Mm-hmm. And they even did special features like a birthday salute to Bob Hope or Frank Sinatra and just play it once, a one hour spot. Heard,
11: I think I heard something, um, and I forget if it, it was like Bob Hope or. Yep. It might have been George Burns. Yep, I played, I, think I played that a while back.
2: Right, I played a George Burns. I played the Bob Hope. I played the Frank Sinatra. Cause they're really good specials. And they would sometimes just go ahead and devote a whole hour to a personality's birthday.
11: Mm-hmm, Yes. That is, uh, you know, some, um, of course, I work in libraries, and through LexisNexis, sometimes we will pull up uh, transcriptions of, you know, um, you know, different news programs and. And I was thinking, you know, some of these uh, monitor shows, you know, with these featurettes or features would really uh, be informative if they were transcribed.
2: I think you're right.
11: Yep, that's right.
2: Okay. So. Well, you guys have any special radio archives somewhere in Indiana? Did do, do, do they have anybody kept the history of Indiana radio somewhere in one of the libraries or maybe some of the most famous personalities that came from Indiana who worked in radio, anything like that that you know of?
11: I'm I'm pretty sure that they do here in Indiana someplace. I'm uh-huh. more uh, familiar with the uh, Kentucky. Um, oh, I'm trying to remember the right name. There is a. Um,
2: I think there is a Kentucky Hall of Fame a, or something. Yeah, there,
11: there's a there's a Kentucky Radio Broadcast Museum right. over in Frankfurt. Of course, <laughs> I'm only about uh, about 50 miles from that, and it was built about 10 years ago, and, and they do have, uh, you know, a building right there on I-64 outside of Frankfurt. Mm-hmm. I've wanted to stop in there to, to, you know, to visit it, but, of course, you know how things are, you know, sometimes you would like to do things and you don't have the opportunity to do mm-hmm. that, so, but uh, I do believe there's one also in Indiana, of course, it would be up in Indianapolis, so I do believe, and, um, yeah, a lot, I've... Been getting a lot of emails about the, uh, the one that is uh, up there in Chicago.
2: Ah, the, the museum up there?
11: Yes, yeah. the one that's uh, run by the Dumont.
2: They're still trying, yeah, they're still trying to raise money to build that thing.
11: Mm-hmm. I think they're going to have an opening here in the fall. Ah. Because I actually received an email from Betty White. She's been asking for donations for that.
2: Well, that's where the Faye McGee and Molly script collection is at, everybody. And they had a uh, replica of say, Jack Benny uh, vault, and I think that's where Ch- uh, one of the Charlie McCarthy dolls are, is, is over there. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
11: Really? Yep. Actually, there is a um, there is a uh, ventriloquist museum in Fort Mitchell, Kentucky, which is outside Cincinnati. Mhm. I
1: think it's Covington.
11: Yeah,
1: uh right next door to uh yeah. Mitchell.
11: uh uh-huh. oh. it's up there in that uh, area. Of course they're neighboring communities up huh? there, but,
1: uh, well, Farfel but lives there. You're who? Farfel and
11: Really? Uh huh.
1: Farf- you know Farfel? And yeah we Oh, yeah, yeah. Farfel was uh-huh. there and uh Charlie McCarthy is there. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of Paul Winchell's, I've, I think it was Jerry, it's Jerry Mahoney, is there. Mm-hmm. And it's a wonderful collection. They've really got some some great information on a website. One of the things that just tickled me half to death was that Don Knotts, uh, they, they have Hall of Fame people and a yes. list of all of the ventriloquists who have performed professionally, and Don Knotts was A ventriloquist. He started out as a ventriloquist, not an actor. And they had him in the service and he had his dummy with him while he was in the army. And he was stationed on an island. And forgive me, I don't know which island it was, but when it was time to be shipped out, he left his dummy on the beach and reported him as missing in action. (laughs) <laughs> I thought, I just love that story. Just love that story. And it, it doesn't say anything about the outcome, whether or not he wound up <laughs> being punished for fi- filing a missing in action, but his dummy was missing in action. And that was the last time he performed was in the service. He,
11: he did a, a, a brief, uh, uh, he did just a brief stint of that in the return to Mayberry, uh, movie, I do remember that. Just uh,
1: he did some ventriloquist work.
11: I he did. He went out to to one of the schools to do a to do a, a ventrilo- ventriloquist act in the Return to Mayberry movie. I remember seeing that. Of course, that was
1: oh my goodness, twenty four years ago in the character of Barney Fife.
11: In the character of Barney Fife, yes. How
1: much fun is that?
11: Mm-hmm.
1: Sorry, I missed
11: yeah. it. Yeah, I believe his uh, his dummy was called Danny.
1: Do you know how many Dannys are up there? I went through the entire list one night of the ventriloquists who are listed there, and there are many. We're talking dozens. The name Danny reappeared so many times. I was astounded. I don't know, and Jimmy Nelson didn't know either what the appeal was of the name Danny. One of his dummies is Danny.
11: Hmm, I don't know. It might have been the time when, when... Maybe
2: he should have used to, to say the word Danny when you're on your voice?
1: I don't know. Dummy Danny. Maybe it was the alliteration. Mm-hmm. My, my dummy's name is Danny. It sounds kind of musical, Danny Dummy. But the, the name Danny reappears quite frequently on the list.
11: I think maybe Daniel was a popular name like when that was coming about. I'm thinking offhand probably that the toilet uh, became popular in the late 1800s.
2: That I don't know. Mm-hmm.
11: I could be wrong about that. That's yeah, just what I... I
2: mean, it was, it was Vaudeville in the 20s. That's where Neger Bergen was using it. And it probably mm-hmm. goes back to that, the eighteen hundred. I would assume so.
11: Is it true? I, I think I remember a story that uh, Bergen, you know, had to basically get out of the method of ventriloquism for the radio, and he had to not throw his voice like he would normally do if he was, a, you know, doing it in front of a live audience for the miking system.
2: He would use his, he would actually mouth the words at Charlie, just in case he figured for the radio audience, he, they better understand what Charlie is saying. I see. And so he got a little lazy... And yeah. there's a famous story in Las Vegas, he decided to take Charlie on a stageco- uh, stage show. And Bill Baldwin with the announcer, who was also his announcer on the radio days, tells the story. And he told it to John Dunning, he said, and when he was in Vegas, uh, the front row would occasionally have a few extra drinks. <laughs> and he, Edgar overheard this one guy uh, saying, while he, Edgar was bowing, you know, Paul Winchell would never move his lips. Mm-hmm. And Edgar, while he was hearing the around, Paul was bowing and he whispered to the guy, but Paul Winchell doesn't have my six million
11: dollars. <laughs> 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 I, um, I go online and on YouTube and I watch uh, the What's My Land Uh, shows, you know, that are on there, and I uh, have watched the one where he, where Paul Winchell is on the panel, and uh, Edgar Bergen is the mystery guest, and it's really entertaining. I miss that, that'd be fun. You can kind of see that there was a little friction between them.
1: Mm. I apologize, it's Fort Mitchell. Uh, It is not Covington. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You, were, you were so right. And I'm looking for the list that I had. They've got a new website, unfortunately. When new websites go up, sometimes good information goes down.
11: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I remember seeing, uh, like in the 1970s on a local news, they were talking about starting that museum. And I was pretty sure it was in Fort Mitchell. Huh? And, uh, and I think it's been open probably since like 77 or so.
1: Yeah, they've a um, long time.
11: Yeah, it's been a while, it has been, so, but, uh, yeah, it's a good, oh, gosh, I'm trying to remember, you had, Walden. I think you had a a fellow on, and I'm trying to remember remember who he was, who, oh, gosh, who was it? A ventriloquist? Yeah, it's a ventriloquist within the last year.
1: Yeah, it would have been Jimmy Nelson. Who has Danny O'Day and Farfel? The N E S T L E S.
11: Yeah.
1: N E S T L E S.
11: Nestle. Who, who, who did, did the voice for the little wacky um, doodle cartoon? Oh, I, I, uh, Jimmy Weldon. Okay. Yeah, I called him and spoke to him because. Yeah. I think. Did you interview him or was that someone that no, Maybe I'm- it was. Uh, maybe it was Bill.
2: I've had Jimmy on, I have Jimmy on many times, probably he had, Bill would have him on too, once or twice, you bet.
11: Yeah, Bill, I think it was Bill now, Uh um, had Jimmy Weldon on, and Jimmy was saying that his original uh, puppet, he still had him, and I forget the puppet's name, but it it was a duck, Mm -hmm. and he said that... um, Webster. Webster, that's right, Mm -hmm. and he was uh, wanting to you know, do something with that. Of course, he's, uh, and I, I called in and mentioned, you know, the, uh, the museum up there in Fort Mitchell. I don't know if he ever looked into, you know, saying about donating that to them or not, but they, they do a good job on keeping, you know, the, uh, the dummies in good condition up there.
2: Well, that'd be good, you know, because uh, Jimmy has, I think, two. One's a heavier one than the other. Mm-hmm. And and, a, and for guys who use puppets and things, uh, there's a certain feel, and they feel awkward, and they don't have the original guy who they work with for all these years. Mm-hmm. They yeah. just throw throw them off a little bit.
11: Yeah, I uh, think he said his mother made the original, and yes. uh-huh. was getting so worn that he had a professional to make a second one so he could use right. know, out mm-hmm. in public.
2: Right. Yep. That
11: would be Jimmy. Yep. Yep. Well, that's great. Uh, you uh, had someone on earlier who had mentioned that he was looking at getting a stem cell transplant? Yes. That, okay. I was just going to pass along the word that uh, those stem cell transplants are really amazing. My uh, niece was diagnosed with Hodgkin's.
1: Oh, my.
11: About five years ago. Uh-huh. And she she had a stem cell transplant about three years ago, and and it really uh, saved her life. So I was just going to tell him, you know, that uh, they are really amazing uh, procedures.
2: It's amazing, you know. Um, we we get uh we had in my line Club this week. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, one of the uh my one of our best friends had lung cancer earlier this year, they went in and cut it out and he's fine. Huh? And his wife his wife went in for operation, had a hole in her heart uh-huh. and she went in one day and went home the next day for only forty eight thousand dollars. I mean but uh-huh. she fought it's amazing what modern medicine uh-huh. does that somebody goes in to a major procedure in your home within a day or so. It's just uh-huh. Unbelievable.
11: My my niece at um, she was about nine and a half. She started having pain in uh, her in her one arm and um, near the elbow. And they went in and they discovered that she had Hodgkin's. Mm-hmm. And they uh, put her in the local and all these hospitals are great hospitals. They put her in a local hospital here in Louisville and they gave her all four different rounds of chemo, and and that didn't take care of the problem, and um, then she had one stem cell transplant using her own um, stem cells, and um, it came back, and then uh, we went to Cincinnati Children's Hospital, and uh, they did that with donor stem cells, and uh, she's been fine ever since, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's amazing what they can do. Something else.
1: Yeah, that's true. Well, okay, Dan. I will get monitor out to you, and I think you're going to enjoy it a lot.
11: I think I will too. I've always wanted to like listen to a full program. Uh, It seems like they aren't uh, played on, you know, different. You know, I I don't know if Bill has really played many of those on the uh, station over the years. No, I I think because
2: uh, a lot of cases. There weren't that many hours, and they've been popping up more and more often lately, but I don't, mm-hmm. I didn't concern Bill Bernardo all these years. Probably why the dick Jockey didn't have access to that many of them, so. Mm-hmm.
11: Yeah, that's true. It's
2: probably a partly the reason.
11: Mm-hmm. All right, well, I sure appreciate it, and I probably won't be speaking to you next week due to You ha-
2: schedule, You're, you're, uh, you're going to be feeding the Army.
11: I'm going to be feeding the union and Confederate army, All right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, encourage everyone, you know, who might be in the area to drop in. And, uh, we've got, uh, we've got, uh, a couple of got- family who will be living in our new, uh, cabin out at the actual battle park. They're going to be doing a, a living history out there. They're going to have, going to be cooking and doing quilting bee and, and, uh, yeah, they can drop by and see how people lived back in the
2: 1860s. Do you sell earplugs?
11: <laughs> no, we – hey, that might be a good fundraiser. That's for me. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought of that. <laughs> winner to me. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. All right, well, you all take care. Thanks a much.
1: All right, Dan. Thank
2: you, Dan. Take care. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 714-545-2071. Interesting, you know, the family – I think our family's not really early-morning rising family. You know, they don't call it 10.30 at night, they get wait. I don't know.
1: I don't know. But, you know, they call it all different hours. Yeah. Oh, I've, got the, I've got the Don Knotts information.
2: Alright, well, how, how, how what, what's new with Don over there?
1: First, his first stint as an entertainer was... You and we can talk about Don Knotts in a minute. You sure? Yeah.
2: Okay, hello there. Hi, oh,
7: it's
2: me again. Hi, me. You, did you have your nap?
7: Yes, I did. Oh, good, Fred. I'm <laughs> gonna go back to sleep, but <laughs> Patricia just kept mentioning things, and I wanted to comment. I, I was gonna comment on said, I'll call next week. Then she'd bring up something else, and oh, I'll call next week. It just got to be too much, so I had to call. <laughs> what
1: am I mentioning that has you all hot and bothered?
7: Yeah, well, things, I just thought it was kind of cool, like coincidental, but cool. Like you were talking about that uh, environmental. Uh, Island you guys got down there. Sandball?
1: On Sanibel Island, right.
7: And how they're really into, like, uh, the wilderness and all this kind of stuff and the regulations. I just watched a special on them uh, no. and how alligators are becoming a problem on that island. Yes. They, the
4: because directly,
7: apparently all over the rest over. of Florida you guys have a rule that if an alligator over four feet becomes a problem with humans it gets destroyed well there they don't destroy them I guess I guess they put them back into a wildlife sanctuary but but then they just find their way back to where they were and I guess um, it's becoming a problem
1: I'm not quite sure about removing the alligator and moving it simply to another place. Because once once it becomes a problem around humans, it means that...